0: So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.
1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling.,,
0: What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts. Joe Lanza what has being annoying stopped you ever that's an excellent point (laughs) an excellent point that's part of the charm rich courage and I could be I'm a lot of being in work great nerd for the G1 I don't I just want them to have great matches and a wheel and kill themselves I don't care it's not my body I just want to watch great matches stop yelling at me (laughs) I agree and we are live on the flagship podcast I am rich he is Joe Joe what's happening how's that sore throat doing over there it's fine. We're gonna battle through this, and got a lozenge. Some... I, I, I did get a lozenge. You want to make something of it? Uh, no, no. What kind of lozenge? What, what are we doing? Ricola. Uh, are we doing just halls, generic as halls. What flavor? I got a lot of questions about this lozenge. Let's go. Let's figure, let's talk a, lozenge. Uh, let's see. It's the uh, Halls
1: Economy Pack. Oh. <laughs> 80, 80 lozenges, strawberry flavor. I think
0: you're gonna need all eighty of them. Uh, given how your voice sounds right now, I think all eighty of those bad boys are gonna get unwrapped. Okay, so we got Halls Economy Pack strawberry. That's
1: what it says. Yeah, yeah
0: I think you could do better than that. I think you, yeah, given the given the state of your throat, I think you should have done better than that. But it's all right. You need the oh. ones that like knock your. You know, we were the Back, your throat's tingling or whatever or the ones that knock you, you you need something like that but you know that's fine you went with halls
1: what are you some kind of lozenge I, I I actually
0: am yeah I used to I, I, I <laughs> mayor of sexy town just said Ricola Jones over there. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good that's good that's good stuff mayor of sexy town good yeah. for you uh, I am yeah I, I um I'm a man who I actually used to get more sick ever since COVID now I never get sick anymore it's really weird during COVID never got sick had COVID the one time, didn't bother me at all. Did shows. Did did nobody knew I had it. I mean, I didn't go to work for a little bit and, and I hang around a bunch of people. I did shows here. I did the flagship with COVID. I did a bunch of of, of, of solo shows. Nobody knew. Nobody said, Whoa, wow, Rich, you sound like shit. Sounded fine. And I've been like pretty much hell. I'm now gonna get horribly sick in the next couple of days, no doubt about it. But um yeah, i I'm like I don't get sick anymore. But I used to get sick all the time. Constantly. With that nurse coming home with all her random ass germs all the time. Oh, I used to be terrible around these parts, but so I used you to be Ricola Jones right? over here, if if you're asking. Lozenge Jones over here. I, I used to know yeah. about the
1: you Built up the natural immunity.
0: I guess I did, yeah. It was it was hell for the first 10 years that I was dating her, but then uh, the last couple have been fine, so. Well, I mean, I don't
1: have the sore throat anymore. I had a sore throat for two days, the kind where you wake up in the morning and you think you're going to die, where it's really bad in the morning when you wake up. And then, I don't know, i just during the course of today, the sore throat went away. But now my I have no voice. Now my voice is going away, which wasn't a problem when I had the sore throat. So I don't know, but there's audio to do. So gotta gotta, do gotta work, and, yeah. And no, they're all a bunch of wise asses in the chat. I do not have the flu. This is not the flu. This is just some kind of uh, throat issue. There's there's no there's no fever. What are what are the symptoms of a flu?
0: Okay, so you me want out. me to look up the the symptoms symptoms. Of the flu. All right. We're just going to go with that. right?
1: Running around and doing everything every day. All right. Yeah. So is, is it? Oh, here here we go.
0: This is perfect. Is it a cold or is it flu? I
1: don't think it's either, but let's see.
0: All right. Let's see. Signs and symptoms. Um, symptom onset. Cold. Gradual. Flu. Abrupt. You just said right there. It's been a couple days, right?
1: The sore throat kind of came on gradually. I, it was one of those where I knew it was coming. I was like, I'm gonna have a sore throat. Tomorrow. Well, you get that, you get that, that then,
0: first day you wake up and you take a gulp and like your throat yeah, kind of like, hurts, uh-oh. and you're like, fuck me. Yeah. This is gonna suck. You're like, this <laughs>
1: is not a painful swallow, but it's it's going to be yeah. at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Some of that little post nasal drip. Sore throat, cold, common, flu sometimes. I definitely had a sore throat for two days. Stuffy nose, cold, common, flu sometimes. I have a stuffy nose right now. There it is. Uh, fever. Rare for the cold. Usual for the flu.
1: Yeah, no fever over I, there. I never had a fever at any point. Did you get the thermometer
0: gimmick out or, or, or what?
1: Yes, TLB takes my temperature like every 18 <laughs> seconds.
0: So, Are we doing under the tongue? Or are we doing, uh, you know, other places? Armpit gimmick. Uh, armpits. gimmick. Yeah, so There's she, other places. There's a lot of other places. I don't know what, yeah. uh, you know. You're like, well, no, nah, well, nah, the, the only good way to take it is in the back. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs>
1: Much like these people in the chat, she is determined to diagnose me with a flu because I run around saying I've never had the flu. So she takes my temperature like every 18 seconds. And no, I have not had a fever at any point over the last three days.
0: And we're doing, we doing digital thermometer here. We're doing old school looking at the mercury rising. on the. I don't, Do they even sell those anymore? Can you even get like a non-digital ther, uh, uh, thermometer anymore? I don't know. I don't
1: know but you it's, got the beeps you, got the...
0: you get the beeps and they go and then I look at it ah damn it <laughs> you're still still the same so digital gimmick yeah yeah it's yeah, so a digital gimmick uh aches slight for a cold usual for a flu any aches over there um
1: no nah, I can't report any aches at
0: all yeah chills uncommon for the cold fairly common for the flu no chills fatigue weakness sometimes for the cold usual for the flu I mean you're here you did i can't thursday. really report you did I thursday mean, dynamo continue. review earlier you're here to do three hours of the flagship right now that's no fatigue or weakness
1: no i mean i had a long day yesterday i had to get up crack of dawn and we had to do a bunch of stuff and i mean
0: I the real crack of dawn and, or the lands of crack of dawn
1: no real crack of dawn i had to get up like 7:30. oh my god so
0: um yeah no no i can't report any fatigue no what else um sneezing common with the cold sometimes with the flu i i feel like you've had neither though right i don't think i've sneezed okay are you you are you like oh i was gonna say like vince and then we could make sneezing jokes but uh not the, mm-hmm. not the time to do yeah. that so mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's i'm gonna shelf the uh Vince man sneezing jokes for uh ever probably maybe when he maybe, maybe when he's dead <laughs> when he passes away then we could do that yeah um chest discomfort slash cough mild to moderate for the cold common for the flu Little bit of a cough. Okay, mild to moderate. Little, you would say? little, little mild to I'd moderate cough. i say mild,
1: mild to moderate cough. I'm not like, you know, after every couple of words, I feel like I have to cough. Little bit, little bit of a cough.
0: Okay, sir. Um, I think according to the CDC, you either have a cold or just, uh, just a sore throat or something I, like that. No, no flu. I mean, no, none of those. We well, went over see, it. I, we did it. CDC. We went over it. Hashtag fight flu. We, we did it. And and you had none of those. We went over it. So no flu. Again,
1: I've never had the flu. Right. You know? So take it up with the centers of this, disease control and
0: prevention if you want, but we did it. Now, this
1: loss of voice is like literally brand new. I just did the TV reviews like five hours ago, and my voice didn't sound like this. So I don't know what's going on with this. This just came on. Over the last couple of hours, so
0: I have I have given Joe the um I have given Joe the option to tap out if he needs to at any point, and uh, we'll figure out the rest of the show if 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 need be. So you let me know uh, if it requires that. Uh, we, we can You're definitely do that. Kidding me? I mean, I know you. Would. I knew it, I, I. It'd be a last ditch effort, but if it happens, it happens. But yeah, you've done you've done shows and sounded my... worse before. So some kind of pussy over here. I could <laughs> I could talk for three hours. Okay,
1: <laughs> this ain't breaking rocks. Let's be honest.
0: You got it. Yeah, we got, got topics it. to talk. We got a lot of topics to talk about. We got new information about Scott DeMore's TNA departure, uh, as well as TNA wrestlers sending a letter to Anthem about his removal. So that is a story that is not going to go away, and we are going to talk about it a little bit later. Uh, the latest on the Vince McMahon WWE lawsuit, uh, big day coming up tomorrow, actually. Uh, by the time most of you guys listen to this, might be old news, but uh, we'll touch on it here uh, with a live Thursday flagship about what uh, could possibly be going on tomorrow. Uh, with the Vince McMahon lawsuit and uh, any new information that has come out. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes, former uh, pro wrestler, uh, was arrested in connection with uh, the death of his wife. It looks like if you put the case together that this man murdered his wife. So unfortunately, we'll have to talk about that story as well a little bit later. We'll try to do both of those together, just kind of get all the awful stuff out of the way all at once. Uh, In lighter news, uh, we're going to check in on the AEW Revolution card, uh, as well as talk about the uh, Blackpool Combat Club going to CMLL. I don't know if you saw that, but tickets are moving like crazy for that CMLL show uh, with uh, Blackpool Combat Club showing up, and and it looks like a really, really good card uh, for CMLL as well. So we'll talk about that. Contract season updates, Joe. More people are on the move. WWE's The Bump. Matt Camp is is a free agent, can be signed anywhere, can go anywhere he wants. QT Marshall, Rocky Romero, uh, a bunch of other stuff as well. Some some news and notes about uh, that. And as well, uh, we're going to touch on, and maybe we'll start here. I think it's probably the best way to start. is talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we're going to look at Okada's final New Japan matches. Now, we know exactly what matches he's going to be in for his final two shows uh, with New Japan Pro Wrestling. But we'll start out first with a review of New Beginning in Osaka. This was over the weekend. Uh, this was the show that had the final, for now at least, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Okada match. Uh, Will Ospreay send-off, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson. The, the, the Will Ospreay send-off being in that, that 10-man cage war games thing. So a lot going on there with New Beginning in Osaka. Uh, let's, I, let's just start with Okada and Tanahashi. I think that's probably the best way to start uh, for the New Beginning in Osaka review. Uh, this... I don't know if you were surprised by this or this was exactly what you thought was going to happen, but Okada defeating Tanahashi, uh, winning in about 16 minutes and 50 seconds. Now, this this match was placed pretty weird on the show. It was placed in front of the IWGP tag team title match. It was way in front of the Sabre versus Brian Danielson, which was the semi-main event. And then, of course, the Steel Cage 10-man tag. Uh, was your main event so I'll start off first I guess and and we talked about this a little bit but were you maybe surprised that the Okada Tanahashi match was placed where it was or did it make sense given that you were talking about an IWGP tag team title match and then Saber and Danielson which does have some sort of ramifications for the rest of, of New Japan's year but I don't know for some people were kind of taken aback that Okada and Tanahashi was like fourth from the top yeah
1: maybe being below the tag title match was a little bit as of a surprise but you know, it didn't surprise me that it was behind the other two matches. This was... Remember, this was not originally scheduled for this show. This was a a match that they put together after he decided he was leaving the company. And they ripped everything up and rebooked everything. So, you know, it's, it's Osaka. It's a big city for them. It's a building where they run a bunch of big cards. It's a building where Okada has had some legendary matches. And they decide to do one more Okada Tanahashi match. And, you know, it, it, it didn't come across any less special than it would have if it went on after the tag team title match or anything like that. So, you know, I don't, and and the main event, the cage had to be the main event. Absolutely. Given the the setup.
0: Yeah. Given all the setup, there was no choice (laughs) but
1: to have that be the main event. And let's not forget that was Will Ospreay's goodbye. So, They weren't going to just, you know, bypass that and and stick Okada ahead of them, even if it wasn't, you know, some kind of wild cage match where they were going to rip the building apart. But um, I guess the long-winded answer is maybe a little bit, but it was on the business end of the card. So, you know, I I don't think it mattered if it would have been flip-flop with the tag match. You know, Okada was still incredibly emotional, He kissed the lion mark. The tears were flowing. The crowd was very emotional. You know, they gave him a respectful goodbye. It was absolutely the right call to win the match. You know, so I've seen some people say maybe he should have lost. I I disagree with that. You know, they've, they've treated his exit with respect all the way through. And, you know, you had to figure he'd win this one. Yeah, I thought the match itself—you know—really all of their matches since the Dallas match, which would have been 2016, right?
0: Uh yes. Let me make that sure. That really...
1: that was eight years ago already. Holy shit!
0: Maybe it was 2018. Maybe 2018. Does that sound more accurate? I think it was 2018. Actually, now that I think about it. Let, let me let me double check because that, that that seems way too long ago. I don't uh, I don't like if it was that. Uh... I think it is
1: 2018.
0: Yeah, like, you know, now that I'm I'm looking at it, yeah, I think it was 2018. So 6 years ago. All, all of their matches
1: since Dallas in 2018 have been sort of playing the hits. All the matches prior to that are some legendary all-time great matches. And this one they were playing the hits until he went for that first rainmaker and you know Tanahashi punched him in the mouth, and then he went for a second rainmaker, and Tanahashi countered with the crucifix. They had a hell of a closing stretch, and I thought this was the best match they've had, probably since the 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 last legendary match they've had, which would be prior to Dallas. I really loved the match; I thought it was a great match.
0: Interesting, and yeah, I I, I didn't. Uh, so, by the way, for people that did not know, 2019 actually was the G1. So it was not that long ago. It seems like a long time ago, <laughs> given where the world went over the next couple of years. But yeah, 2019, uh, July 6 was 2019, I
1: 2016 for, but um, anyway, yeah, I think, you know, since they've kind of hit the play the hits era of their rivalry, I thought, you know, and, and it looked like this match was going in that direction. Okay. They're going to go out there and have a nice little three and three quarter star four star match. You know, maybe if it, But, you know, I thought it was a little better than that. I I would go about four and a quarter on it. I thought it was really great in the closing stretch. And and they did more than I thought they were going to do in terms of Tanahashi not going down easy. And when you combine the the, the gravity of the moment and the drama and, and the emotion of it, I thought it was a really great match. It was my second favorite match on the card. So... Um, No big secret, what number one is obviously Danielson and Sabre had an all-time classic. Yeah, can we not wait to talk about that match. But, you know, I thought the match was great, and I thought the post-match was just super emotional, as was the Osprey thing that we'll talk about later. And now he'll come back as a freelancer, and I guess technically he was a freelancer for this one too, and work the two shows in Sapporo. And you know, say goodbye to that city. And then that'll be it. And then from there, I don't know. I mean, I, I I highly doubt it's the last time we see him in New Japan. But at the same time, it's not like I would rush him back. It won't feel special. You, you want to stay away for a while. For it to mean something for New Japan's business. And, and for it to mean something to Okada. He can go away for a couple years. And then... Yeah, You know, I wouldn't rush him back for, you know, like a G1 or something. It would just feel weird. Um, or even a big singles match on a big show in the next, you know, eight or nine months or a year or whatever. Yeah, I, I well, would say the
0: first time if you really, really, really want to would be Wrestle Kingdom. And I even then, I'm with you. I think you should almost take an entire year off and have it be, you know, two Wrestle Kingdoms yeah. from now or next year's. So, it's something like that I, I i think if he just comes like you said if he comes back at you know in September or whatever it's just like ah oh, all right <laughs> he's kind of back already out of that it, it wouldn't it wouldn't it, it it needs i feel like it is much better with time with with, with you know go away, do your thing and, and and it'll come back and it'll be special it'll mean something if he comes back two years from now as opposed to if he comes back in september it's not going to feel like he was gone long enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I mean. Now, it wouldn't stun me at all if they bring him back for Wrestle Kingdom this year, but I just, I just don't. I think it'll. Everyone would be best served to wait. That's all. I think it would be better if you wait a little longer. I do. I think he'll ever work in New Japan again. Yes, I do. I would put the odds at one hundred percent that he course. works in New Japan again. Um, do I think he'll work for New Japan again? Again, I think I would put the odds at one hundred percent. Yes i think that um you know i it's do i think he's gonna spend the rest of his life in america no i do not so um you know but but i thought it really i really loved the match i think it's the best match i've had in a while and i really did think the moment came across as something special
0: yeah I I didn't like it as much as you did. I I thought it was okay. I think the pre-match and the emotion of Okada and the emotion of the crowd and, and the emotion of Tanahashi too who clearly felt, you know, in that moment like this was a pretty big deal and this was something, you know, that 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 I mean, everybody knew the gravity of this thing. It was Tanahashi versus Okada for a quote-unquote the final time. Is it going to be the final time? You know, 100%? We don't know. We don't know. But for now, it's it's the final time. And it, it very well might be because by the time Okada's ready to come back, uh, there might be a chance that Tanahashi isn't a regular wrestler or isn't really ready to be in the ring anymore, and so I guess the gravity of the moment felt like it, it, I came in feeling like, oh man, here we go, this is it, this is the final time these guys are going to go in the ring at the peak of their powers, in their primes, all that sort of stuff. And I don't know, I just didn't. It, it to me, it felt, you know, you said it felt like they were playing the hits. A lot of their other matches that they've had since Dallas, I kind of felt the same way about this one. And, and I think what what made it worse too is is we're playing the hits. And one of the guys can't really go at all anymore. Tanahashi just can't go anymore. He he. We talked about it this last year. We declared him officially washed last year. It's now gotten into like he's kind of. It's kind of sad to watch Tanahashi wrestle now. And and so I think I it. Part of it was me having pretty high expectations of okay, it's Tanahashi and it's Okada, and they know this is it, so they're gonna lay it all out there. They're gonna do everything they possibly can. And then Tanahashi does that high fly flow from the top rope, and I'm like, oh fuck, he realizes the moment he's got it. Here we go. And then I was just kind of disappointed because it did just feel like they were just playing the hits from that on. And, and then it was just kind of a paint-by-numbers, you can close your eyes and envision what type of match it was from there. So, I mean, did I think it was a dud? No, I don't think it was a dud or whatever. But I, I don't know, I'm like three and a half stars at most with it. I just did not think it really – and that's probably, it's probably a victim of my own expectations. I just felt we were going to get a little bit more of a – Let's let's put a you know let's put a stamp on this feud and this rivalry once and for all here and and maybe that's unfair for me to expect that out of Tanahashi but I thought maybe this one time he could turn back the clock a little bit and I, I just don't think he could I mean his, his the weight's bad he looks like he's in a ton of pain his pants can't stay on it's just it, it's it's become more sad than anything and I think that's that that kind of that kind of hit me I thought we were gonna get more of the final epic and instead it was like a, oh great i never want to see this match ever again type of thing like that that's what i felt after this i felt like dear god i hope they never do this ever again because this is just the law of diminishing returns every single time so i i don't know i i didn't like it as much as you did
1: i thought it was better than dallas i thought it was better than battle in the valley um last year right yeah the one with sasha banks so i i think they eclipsed their recent vintage matches i i don't think it was better than like you know, the Wrestle Kingdom matches or Invasion Attack or anything like that. But I, I thought it was better than the decline phase Tanahashi matches that they've had. So um as far as the show itself, it did uh, 5,327 fans. So the last time they were in the big body maker was for Power Struggle, which was the Will Ospreay... Shota Aminu match which was an incredible match which had Hiromu and Taiji Ishimori and the Super Junior Tag League finals and that did 4046 so you can kind of see the difference in attendance here I don't know how many tickets were sold before and after they announced the match I've said it a million times I think if they could with the benefit of hindsight they they would have run Osaka Joe Hall if they could for this final Okada Tanahashi match um although I don't know if is 5327 is that a full sock it looked full on the on the broadcast yeah it looks pretty I good if... i
0: i don't know i don't follow that arena that often so i'm not sure what um or i don't follow the attendance uh for for that as much I, yeah i don't know if that was it looked good i mean it looked very good and sounded really good uh, and they weren't shy about doing long shots. I mean, they, they, you can tell sometimes there's Okada when uh, when New Japan is doing those sort of shows, and you can tell that maybe the crowd isn't quite as good. They'll go a little tighter with the shots. And and this one, they were for all the entrances, for Will's entrance, for Okada's entrance, they were more than happy to just pan out and just let you see. I mean, just zoom out, and you just saw the whole arena there. So yeah, it looked like a healthy audience. I I don't know. Maybe someone in well, the chat room can let us know mm-hmm. what 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 the capacity is for. Edeon Arena Osaka will always be the body maker maker to me, but uh, I don't know what their capacity is for wrestling.
1: The two G1 shows did about 3,000 fans. Uh, Let me go back pre pandemic to a show that would have been COVID 19. So it would have been February, March 2020. So we got to go to 2019. Let's do. Oh, that's the wrong building. Uh, power
0: struggle, 2019 did 55, 58. Okay, so yeah, that's so probably this where we're at. Then. Neighborhood so this, is yes. Yeah, that, so yeah. th- that's where we're at then. Yeah, because if we're talking pre-pandemic and and stuff like <clears> that, yeah, we're 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 right there. So we're, we're you're a couple hundred away from from being right there. Yeah,
1: the G1 show uh, G, uh, with Naito and Takagi that year did 55, 55. So, okay, 55, so yeah, we're
0: we're about 200 off from yeah. that, which is is fine. That that you'll you'll take for sure. So that that's a good number.
1: Both, both, and Sonata, Okada and a G one to
0: 55 So fifty five hundred is pretty much the okay. capacity. So just so under that, we're, we were just under that here, with a pretty short yeah. notice, a, a match booked on pretty short notice or whatever. So that's not <laughs> bad. So that's a really healthy attendance for them, in you know,
1: for for their current um business situation. So, and uh, you know, and, and it wasn't just his goodbye; it was Will Osprey's goodbye. Period. Yeah. From the company. He's done. So there was that aspect too. Now as far as Okada. Um, there was a report out of Fightful. That he's more than likely headed to AEW. But hasn't signed anything. Which is kind of what everybody's been saying. Um, So I don't know how newsworthy that report was. Other than. Sean is the first reporter to really stick his neck out and say with confidence in an official report that this is where the guy's going.
0: Right. Right. He was he the first one yet. to say it with his chest. Everybody else was kind of like, I mean, it's, I mean, it, you know, Meltzer's been talking about how, Hey, well it's, you know, nobody really knows quite yet. I mean, we assume AEW, but you know, WWE is talking to him and, and, and Sean was the first to say, you know, it's, it's, he's probably very likely. I forget the exact wording he used going to his AEW verbiage
1: now. was bar. His verbiage was barring a catastrophe.
0: Right. Okay. So, it's I saying mean, it with your chest ish. You know, it's it not is. all chest. Yeah. It's not full it's, chest, but it's 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 chest chest ish for sure.
1: I mean, look no further than here. I've been saying for weeks that everything I hear is Tony will not be outbid. If it's if it's about getting the best money offer, he's going to AEW. Period. The only way he's going to WWE is if he values the WrestleMania moment. Being a WWE superstar. If those things matter to him. Then WWE is still in play. If it's the money. Tony Khan is not going to be outbid for him. Period. He'll top any offer. It will be a never-ending auction situation. Where he always says a bigger number. Until the other side taps out. And he has essentially limitless funds in a scenario like that so the fightful report lines up with what pretty much everybody else is saying now the okada camp his agent the people near him it's been very close to the vest nothing has come out from their side you know when will osprey was going through this he was doing a lot of chirping in the media to kind of drive up his value you know he was bantering with Seth Rollins on Twitter
0: right. <laughs> about a
1: potential right. match. He was speaking publicly about how, ah, you know, impact's not a bad option. You know, he, he was just, that was his strategy, and that's a viable strategy too. And then he ended up where most people thought he was going to end up at the end of the day. Which, again, in these situations, you're not going to outbid Tony Khan when he really wants to win. If it's going to be about money, he's going to win
0: right right and, there, and there's two completely different negotiation paths going on here and, and and they're both they're both very effective there is the hey I'm open for business everybody call me I, I'll work with you I'll work with you I'll work with you all you know that, that, that sort of stuff and that is one very good method the other method that Okada's employing is the the kind of the hard to get thing where nothing's coming out and it's probably you know maybe it's making the one side think oh god do we oh man is the offer all the way there do we need more or the other side saying shit maybe he's not going there maybe we do have a chance you know what I mean like it, it there, there's two ways to drive up value one is the the osprey way of of telling everybody you're open for business call me do this i'll work with this guy i'll work here i'll work there the other is kind of the very silent treatment where you you get people thinking a little bit and that's probably that's probably what the camp is i mean it's okada so he's not going to be out there that's not really his his style and and obviously it's two american companies so you know what's he going to do do the podcast rounds or whatever probably not but it does work pretty well to just kind of sip by the side and and maybe wait for all the offers to come in. And maybe the fact that he hasn't quote unquote decided yet is a good way for WWE to say, well, Hey, what about, you know, what about this offer and AEW to counter it and go back to, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we all know. And and, and you and I definitely know that the guy wants to be in AEW. That's probably the best spot for him, but it behooves him. And it behooves, you know, Barry Bloom to get as big of an offer from AEW as possible. And if they can move that up by, uh, you know, whatever amount of money over the next couple of weeks by, you know, having wwe bid for them then yeah you do that of course you do that
1: well i think there's a point where wwe taps out on these things because it's they don't need these free agents and there's something else going on in that company you know they have a lot of their own free agents coming up and we don't often hear about that but we're hearing a lot about it now and maybe we're starting to see the TKO talent strategy. It wouldn't surprise me if they let a lot of these free agents that are coming up walk. Because we, you know, that's similar to how they run the UFC side. Make sure you get your top line, tippy top superstars and have them in play. And anyone who's even a half a tier below, they feel like they don't need you.
0: Or, well, shit, you in know, some cases, even if the tippy top guy asks for too much tippy top money, they tell him, well, you can tippy top your ass out of here because that happened too right, recently. And, they said, well, hold on a minute. You're a tippy top star, but eh, not that much. You ain't that much of a star. You you're still are replaceable.
1: Yeah. So maybe it's, you know, if Tony Khan is going to top us on guys like Osprey and Okada or, you know, or, or Adam Copeland, then let him, you know, and, and, you know, because Khan wins most of these. You know, which ones has he lost? You can't count Cody. Cody wanted to go. And we may never find out what the personal situation was between, between Cody and Tony Khan. But clearly there was a rift there. There was something. So I don't count that. Tony Khan had an option on Cody and he declined it out of deference to him and let them go. So that's not a bidding war. That's something happened between the two of them. The guy wanted out and Tony granted him that and let him go. Jade Carkill and Dragon Lee might be the only two. And in the case of Dragon Lee, it very clearly wasn't money. Dragon Lee bet on himself and Mm -hmm. took an NXT deal. Tony Khan would have paid him more than an NXT deal, than than $70,000 a year or whatever. It It isn't much more if it's more. But Dragon Lee wanted to bet on himself and he preferred the higher potential upside of making it big in WWE. That's what he wanted. That's what he took. Good for him. Jade? I don't know. Was there a bidding war? Did Tony tap out and say, I got everything I'm going to get out of her? She doesn't fit our style, I, there's no effective way to book her from here. You know, I'm going to let them win this one. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And and that could just simply be one that again, if you're, if you're WWE like that, that's one, maybe that you do say, all right, well, that's somebody that has a ton of potential or whatever. We, We can talk about her a little bit later if we want as well, but that's somebody that does have a ton of potential. Somebody that we could you know, instead of paying X amount of millions of dollars to retain Adam Copeland, we'll pay, you know, whatever amount, at, you know, Jade will be significantly less, but maybe we get a little bit more out of her. That is about, I, I think if you're going to win any of these wars, that's the one that you win. That that's one that you try to win. If you're WWE, that makes sense from, from a, a TKO standpoint, from a, you know, similar to what UFC would do standpoint is, is, is bet on someone that's a little more up and coming and then let kind of the older, more expensive people go. And if AEW wants to sign them, great. That's where I think the Jade one is. The Jade one is one where you say, okay, if we're going to outbid them on any of these people, Jade's definitely one of them. And like you said, we talked about at the time, there's a very likely thing that they got to a certain point where Tony just said, you know what? I don't think you're worth that amount of money, so I'll let you go. Good luck in your future endeavors. And... Yeah, so far he might be right. <laughs> so far he might be right about that because uh, I don't know if WWE's got a little buyer's remorse about Jade. They're they're still working themselves into a shoot about what she's capable of doing and what she can do, and and what their you know competitors need to do to 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 be on TV or whatever. But that's one that maybe Tony made the right play to say, you know what, hey, if they want to pay her, whatever. I don't really want to pay her that, so you know what? More power to you. Go for that. But but someone like an Okada, like you said, that's one that I think he is going to spend a little bit more on, and they might say, well, there's not as much upside. We're not going to get as much of a return on investment as we would with a Jade or, or with maybe a Dragon Lee or, or that type.
1: But I don't even know if he got outbid for Jade because, remember, her representatives are close to Endeavor.
0: Yeah, I think they are. I think they were quite literally Endeavor, right?
1: And I think she was repping yes, Endeavor. It- Right, so it could have been a situation where she was just dead set on going to WWE and she was going to get a seven-figure deal with either way. And maybe she saw a ceiling in AEW. Maybe she figured WWE is a bigger company where she could ultimately make more money and they could provide her with more outside opportunities. So, but, I, but, but for the sake of the discussion, let's say that those are the two we lost, Dragon Lee and Jade. And we know Dragon Lee's wasn't money. He doesn't lose these. He's won every other... He won Osprey. He won Copeland. He's, he won Sasha Banks. And all of the others a level below. He wins every one of these. So it would stand to reason that if he loses on Okada, and it doesn't look like he's going to, it's not going to be because he got outbid. And I flat out was told he's never going to be outbid for Okada. It's just not going to happen. So look, you can do the math on Okada. Who got Will Ospreay into New Japan? Okada. Who's been tight with Okada all along? Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay spends seven years in New Japan. It's finally, it's the perfect time for him to make life-changing money. No one would begrudge him for hitting free agency that the yen is bottoming out in japan there's big money bidders in the u.s will osprey cashed out he signs with aew you know they have the same agent he obviously suggested the agent to okada you don't need to be a, a genius to figure that out so it all adds up.
0: Right. You, you helped you know, me then, out all those many years ago, and now I'm going to help you out here. <laughs> Talk to yeah. this guy. Call this guy and and become a millionaire. I'm going to make you a, a multi-multi-millionaire overnight. Call this guy right now.
1: And why wouldn't he say, Okada-san, come with me to AEW? He did. <laughs> he essentially said that after their match. Uh, he, <laughs> yeah, he literally said it. You know, both privately and after the match. I ah, wouldn't be surprised if we cross paths again somewhere else. You know, and... Okada has an established relationship with Tony Khan. Okada has an infamous established relationship with the Young Bucks. It just makes too much sense, especially when that's going to be the bigger money offer. It just comes down to, does walking out in a WrestleMania main event mean that much to you, where where you will take several million less? And for some people, it does. You know, I'm not knocking people for that. For some people it does. And yeah, I do think the potential earning upside is higher in WWE. But you know, Gata probably sees, you know, he sees Nakamura there. Let alone all of the other Japanese talent there. And probably is a little concerned. It could not work out. Yeah, it could be in Nakamura's spot, but that, that's not. Nakamura is never going to be the top guy. Everybody knows that. He'll flirt with the main events now and then. So yeah, I I I, I figure it, it all added up to AEW all along when you really put everything together. So, you know, like everybody else, that like, not, like I've been saying for weeks, that's where ultimately I think he's gonna end up. And you know, that like Will Ospreay talked about after his match he got that worked into his deal that he can go back and work new Japan. Like a lot of these guys do. And that, I don't know if that's something that WWE would give Okada or Will Ospreay or any of these guys. And if they truly wanted to be competitive in the free agent marketplace, they would, they would start doing that.
0: They'd be more open about I mean, that. I, yeah. And and they've, I think they've, they floated that out. I forget who it was, they floated that out that they were a little more open and that people could take some bookings or whatever, but I mean, they did that for, I mean, goddamn, we know that they did that. And it's a a slightly different company now, obviously, than it was. But, you know, go back and look at, at the early days of the Cruiserweight Classic and NXT and NXT UK and that sort of stuff it was always oh yeah no you want to go anywhere yeah you can still work your indies we just need you when we need you oh yeah sure you could and little by little we all knew that that was never going to last and we laughed about it at the time when people said no 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 Pete Dunn can still work all the you can still do this and you can still do that and then none of that happened and oh no Johnny Gargano can still do this and no and then little by little months later he couldn't do any of those things and none of those guys they they were just completely completely stuck uh, at, at, at certain places so they always I, I think they've always it always sounds good and i think they've used it in 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 you know they floated reports out that guys would be able to do it but i think deep down that that company would never just given given how you know we, we know exactly how the company's structured in the way it's even still today how how i just don't i don't envision them ever letting that go and letting you know wrestler x go to New Japan for wrestling, or go to All Japan, or you know, I I think that that's I mean, you got the Charlie Dempsey thing, and that's that's a different thing altogether. But I don't know if that if that if that's indicative of the future uh, of this company is is Charlie Dempsey going to All Japan for wrestling, or just literally a one time thing with with that particular guy whose dad is that particular guy. You you know what I mean? Like I think a developmental
1: that, wrestler, just a yeah. It's when it comes to big stars, the only one I could think of they offered it to Brian Danielson. Um. But but it went nowhere because then they tried to cut a a, a bigger deal with New Japan and New Japan didn't want to do business with them. And New Japan chose to do business with AEW instead. So that's the only instance I could think of that's pretty much on record where they offered the ability for someone to work elsewhere. A big star. Right, right. An an actual star. Yeah. The Dempsey thing I think is just... You know, they they sent a developmental wrestler to go on a little mini excursion and have a couple matches in all Japan. Because as we've seen, despite the panic and scare, it hasn't really led to anything.
0: Nothing else has come since then, no.
1: Thankfully. So, you know, as far as Okada, you know, there's a lot of anger from some New Japan fans um, with the nature of his exit. And, you know, I understand it. I I can understand it. I'm not particularly wound up about it um in a perfect world i've said it a million times i'd prefer he stay in new japan i don't think it's good that he's leaving new japan um but i you know it looks like he's gonna land in aew which is the preferred landing spot so i could continue enjoying his work so he can continue working in new japan potentially down the line if he had ended up in wwe i would have some morbid curiosity in his debut and then i would quickly lose interest because it's wwe and i just don't like their product um so i'm glad if, if ultimately it is AEW and it looks like it's going to be as sort of the secondary choice my preference would be he stay in new japan but i can't be mad at the guy i mean this is his chance to make millions of dollars and He's taken the opportunity, and I, I don't think it's the death knell for New Japan that people think it is. There's a lot of problems with the Japanese economy. That's not going to last forever. And, you know, when it comes to this idea that the American companies are just going to pluck anyone that gets over as a star, I don't know how true that is. Number no, one, I,
0: I don't buy that either. I don't.
1: Not everyone's gonna be a fit for America. No. That's number one.
0: No, and and that's we talked about this um, many, many weeks ago when when this you know first report of Okada leaving uh came up. And 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 like you know I said, I think he is Will's kind of a different animal, obviously. Because he's not a he he's from the UK. You know what I mean? He's in New Japan for for I don't I don't lump him the same way. You know what I mean? Like he he's a guy who you know what I mean? Like he's not a a homegrown New Japan Japanese native you know, he he, he is a gaijin in New Japan pro wrestling. Like that those guys can always get plucked up and those guys always have the ability. So I'm not really counting him in the same way that I'm counting an Okada, but like in Okada I feel like was a one of one guy that that what what everything that came together to make Okada what he is right now and what he is to an American audience and what he is to casual wrestling fans. your most dyed in the wool. Ran- I mean, a lot of, they know who Okada is. You know what I mean? They know who Kaz- uh, Kazuchika Okada is. And that took a lot of work to get him there. That took there needing to be a second brand, new Japan for wrestling, getting hot, new Japan for wrestling, getting, you know, access quite literally. And in, in, in some cases on American television, that took a lot of things that had to happen for Okada to become a name that an American wrestling promotion would say, yes, this guy is worth millions of dollars because I'm confident that our audience is going to know who this guy is right away. And we, we can, that, that first second of that song can hit. And I know that my audience is going to know that that is Okada and that he's a big time star and that he's worthy of paying millions of dollars to. I don't know that there's going to be a bunch of guys, 10 years down the line that are going to be that for an AEW, for a WWE, whatever, because the factors that had to play in for Okada to be what he is Are rare. It's very, very rare to have all these sort of things come together. New Japan is a victim of its own success in a lot of ways. They're a victim of of the fact that they became so successful and that American wrestling fans that were sick of WWE wanted an alternative, sought out an alternative, and Ring of Honor was there to bring along the the New Japan, you know, really kind of help bridge that gap between American fans and New Japan fans, help bridge that gap between American wrestling fans and Japanese wrestling fans. For those that were not hardcore people listening to us and buying our New Japan ebooks or whatever, it was Ring of Honor that maybe helped you get into that. And then later it was AEW that helped you get into that. But that like all that sort of stuff had to all kind of come together. And it had to be this one of one guy, gigantic superstar, looks like a million bucks, is 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 tall and can work and like can, you know, has has a relationship with the young box that that go, like there's all these sort of things that had to come together. And like you always bring up a desire to go to America. You can have all those things go right, all those things that I talked about all go perfect, and then the guy goes, "No, I don't want to go to America. No, <laughs> I want to live in Japan. You know why would I want to live, live in America?" And then it's over and it's dead. Okada had to be all those things and want to go to America, and and that. I think, like, yeah, you're talking about a guy who is a very, very, very rare talent that has all the makings of a star, and he can be a star in America just as much as he's a star in Japan. And I don't think that's true for a lot of other guys. And that's not to say that I don't like those guys, but it's just a fact of who are you going to invest millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in? You need to make sure that that guy can come out on your television and be a star. And Okada is a very, very rare breed of Japanese wrestlers in in, in the history of the of of Japanese wrestling that have been able to to, to say that and to do that and i think that's important to 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 point out
1: he's i'm comfortable saying he's the biggest star to ever leave new japan and that includes nakamura that includes ricky choshu that includes uh, stan hansen i don't care who you want to talk about he is the biggest star to ever leave new japan right so it's it's a unique situation you have to have someone who is desirable to the american promotions and who's a you can be a massive star in Japan and just be a bad fit for the West. I, I don't think.
0: I, I Honestly, the best ever before Okada is probably the great Muda, you know, given his, his awesome, awesome excursions that he had and what they did to get him over and, and all that sort of stuff. And even then there was kind of a shelf life to that. And it was about a year or so and it had to be the right circumstances in the right company.
1: To He's talking about 1989? Yeah, 89, because
0: then he came back that a bunch of other times even... and didn't even matter all those other times. Like He was just a non-factor in all the other times.
1: Well, 80. Well, 89 was just an excursion. Right. He didn't no, no, leave I, company. I said that. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as far as someone leaving New Japan for a different company, Okada's the biggest star. There will be people that will argue and say they chose you, but it, it, it's Okada, okay? So this is unique from that standpoint. You have to have someone who has the ability to be a huge star in the West. And like you said, these people also have to want to move to America and not all of them are going to want to do that. Everyone's going to be different. And even if someone's a huge star in Japan, I don't think that that necessarily means they're going to be desirable to American promotions. I don't think even if he were a little younger, the American promotions would be interested in Tetsuya Naito. I don't. And that's a perfect example. Of someone who's arguably a bigger star than Okada. But I don't think there's, there, there's going to be any interest from WWE or AEW in bringing him over. For a ton of money. The way there was for Okada.
0: Right. Nor does he want to leave Japan. Has given no indications yeah. ever that he would want to leave Japan. The name I was going to bring up right. is Kento Miyahara. Now, let's think about Kento Miyahara, who's not on the level of those guys, but say he was you know, a couple years younger or whatever. He's the type of guy that I'm saying that you're not going to – even if you think, even if I'm Tony Khan and I fucking love Kento Miyahara, and I'm like, goddamn, I can't wait to get Kento Miyahara. That's not a guy that you can bring on an audience at the HEB Center in in whatever fucking town it is in Texas or whatever. And that crowd's going to know immediately who Kento Miyahara is. You might have a few fans that know who he is or whatever, but if you're investing a large amount of money in bringing a guy over, you want that guy to matter. You want that guy to mean something. And and everybody listening to this show – most likely knows who Kento Miyahara is and likes him and thinks he's great or whatever. And but that's a, again that's a different thing we're talking about. Whereas Okada, that fucking coin drops and everybody in that arena knows who he is. He is a rare, rare, rare case that is just not not applicable to a lot of the other guys that we're talking about. A lot of the other top guys in Japan. So this idea that like anybody that's going to get over is immediately going to get plucked up, I, I don't think that's the case. And I think uh, again, you know, another thing. To To bring up is that if if New Japan's not as popular as it's been over the last decade and isn't seen as 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 a big of a deal in America that it was from twenty thirteen to twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen or whatever you want to say like that's going to mean a lot less people are going to care about New Japan, which might be good for fans of New Japan that don't want their talent to leave, but you know in terms of 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 like an American audience an american audience really i don 't know if they're going to seek out New Japan as much as they have over the last decade and they haven't been seeking out new Japan as much as they did in the last decade with AEW in the mix. So there's very likely a situation where a guy gets over and this person, you know, WWE or AEW does not think that person's worth the money because they're not over to the American audience the way that Okada was over to the American audience. So again, I, I, it's just, it's a different uh, thing, man. I've uh, been in the arena when Okada came a- out in front of an audience that just lost their fucking mind. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 and I was at the wind trust arena and that coin dropped in the fucking place went nuts. For okada they know exactly who this dude was i just i'll
1: give you another example i don't think Prime tanahashi would have been as good a fit for the west as okada either
0: no yeah it's think it's think of 2011 tanahashi he jobs to okada at new beginning and then he's out He's gonna go to told, wwe and I, get over i don't think so and i don't think they would think that either that's what i'm saying i think
1: it, there's too much panic I, I don't think they're just Lord gonna, Tensai was the guy they went after, <laughs> like you know what I mean? They went after Lord Tensai. That's I just the don't think the these. I just don't think these companies are going to pluck anybody that gets over. I just don't think it's going to work like that. Um, you know, and these are very similar to the discussions that we had in 2016 when Nakamura and AJ Styles and Carl Anderson and. Luke Gallows left, and they made a strong play for the Tongans.
0: Can you believe it's been like eight years that they've been <laughs> please, making please stronger Tongans. play? Please make a stronger play for God's sakes! God, I thought play we stronger. thought they were leaving then. Please. We thought they were Take leaving it. then. Yeah, I know. God. But, well, now they're finally gone. Thank well, you. One, well, two hopefully. of them are. I think two of them are. Take them all. Um, Not far enough. Take them all.
1: But um, you know, and and we came on this show and we we said a lot of the same things. Now I know the landscape was different because it was only one company and it wasn't two. And AEW certainly is more open to the idea of hiring foreign talents than A than WWE is. Even with WWE's new regime, I think AEW is more open to using and hiring foreign talents. I mean, Tony Khan will hire anybody that's talented. So I get that the landscape's a little different. I understand that. But there was the same level of panic. New Japan can't recover from this, they can't, they will never survive. Nakamura and AJ Styles leaving. And, you know, we calmly explained they got people on the bench. They're gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. And they grew from that point. They weren't just fine, they grew. And they did better post-Exodus. And I don't think it's off the table that they grow from here. When that economy turns around there, they have people on the bench. They have their five core young Japanese stars. And I'm not even counting the war dogs. Leave them out of this. But you've got Suji and Uemura and Fujita and Aminu and Narita are they all going to hit highly unlikely the odds are just against that are they all going to flop i don't think that's very likely either somebody in this group's going to become a big star maybe more than one you know it's uh i think they're going to be fine you know and I, and, I, and i don't think the moment that yota suji becomes a star he's just going to get plucked by tony khan and end up in AEW. i just don't for all the reasons we just talked about it's got to be the right circumstances it's got to be a perfect storm of circumstances
0: on both sides so you know i i know i mean the juice has got to be worth the squeeze on the other side too you, you know like it, tony khan can't go and and say uh you know next year i'm gonna give yota Tsuji three million dollars and get him over i mean that that would be Stupid that'd be ridiculous business and and maybe he could afford to do that, but that would be really really dumb business to do that you know you know, given how over he would be to the American eyes and that sort of stuff so I think again like you need to be in a case where where the American promotion wants to give money that's gonna very very greatly outbid what the Japanese promotion is going to give for a guy and that's got to be worth it for both ends it's got to be worth it for the wrestler to leave. And, and take that money and it's got to be worth it for the American promotion to pay that money for the guy to leave or whatever. And, and again, in the case of Okada, it is in the case of Okada. You can absolutely justify multiple millions of dollars in a contract for AEW. You can absolutely 100% justify that. It, it's hard to go through history like we just did right there. It's hard to go through history and figure out a lot of other guys. And it's hard to predict in the future a lot of other guys. They're going to be worth that amount of money to, to, to go and pluck out of Japan. So I, I don't buy it either. I, th- I think people are reacting to this one-of-one situation with Okada, who, who is still very young as well, who still has a whole lot of career ahead of him. I just don't think that doom and gloom is, is, is really worth it. It's just yeah, – I, I think you're – like you said, we did this exact same thing in 2016, and we were all the only people on earth that were saying, like, ah, you know what? It's fine. Who cares? And honestly, I, I, I'm down I, – I like it a lot. Like, I, you, you know, you said that you'd prefer Okada stay – in new Japan for wrestling. And I think I'm with you too, but I think it's exciting that he's not there. And I think it's going to be exciting that he's gone. And I think it's exciting that he's moving on. And I think it's exciting that a big giant spot on the, on the main event scene is open. And now there's a spot for somebody else to take somebody else to elevate. And that's been the problem with new Japan for me for a lot of years. It's been the same people. I'm kind of sick of the roster. So it'd be really nice to have that roster get changed up a little bit and have new people elevated and new people move to big spots. So I'm excited about it personally. Like I, I think it's really cool I mean, for the booking of new Japan. I-
1: I would have picked a lot of people to leave before him, oh, <laughs> even certainly. though I'm not oh, thrilled certainly. with the last yeah, right now but either. But, making
0: the best of the, of the um, bad situation for sure. I don't want well AJ Styles to leave when to... he <laughs> leaves. I mean, that, that, that sucked. I didn't want Nakamura to leave when Nakamura left, but it gave us Kenny Omega. It gave us, you know, even more of a rise of Okada. I'm not saying that that's going to happen this time. And I don't know if those guys are ready to be ready to do that elevation yet either, but I think it could be exciting for New Japan in a lot of ways.
1: Well, I mean, it's going to force them to kind of speed some of this up,
0: which they need These to do guys. badly
1: which they need to do, which I can demonstrate for people right now because the other piece of this is there was a lot of talk that Okada did the company dirty by not putting any of these young guys over on the way out, and I, I just I, – I think that's a, a just a load of bullshit. Um, first of all, he didn't even hire Barry Bloom. There were no reports that he was even talking to Barry Bloom till like December 19th, okay? Look it up. When did you want him to do all these jobs between December 19th and today? Did you want them to tear up the wrestle kingdom plans with Brian Danielson and get him in there to lose to fucking Ren or take your pick? They weren't going to do that. Okay. So they didn't know he would, and, and, <clears throat> and they didn't know he was leaving until January. did not tell them until January. So this idea that he that he should have done all these jobs, he didn't even know he was going. He may have had an inkling that he was thinking about going. He may have been leaning one way or the other. But he didn't make his decision until January. So there's a lot of revisionist history going on in terms of this guy wasting all year, uh, not working with all these young guys and allegedly doing all these jobs. And yeah, I know that report came out from Super Jcast that there were times where he may have turned down working with some of these guys. But at the same time, um, nobody else is working with these guys. So he may have viewed it as, why should I be the one? I'm in my prime. I'm still a star here. Maybe he pulled that that don't work for me, brother card. And I don't, I don't even know if I can necessarily blame him if that was the case. Because it's not like they were uh, programming any of these young guys with anybody else. I mean, I could go through all of them. Yota Suji. Here are all of it. Here is a complete list of right. singles matches. Uh, guys that 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 he... It was Chase Owens and Luke Jacobs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't even know if you can count Luke Jacobs because that was on a show in fucking England.
0: <laughs> right, right, right.
1: Okay? In terms of singles matches that he won. Amora. There are none. He, he hasn't beaten anybody right. in a singles match. Fujita. He had a draw with Taguchi. No other wins. Over anyone of note. I'm not counting the matches against each other. The other young guys.
0: Right, because people are going to say, "Well, they were in the blocks together, so they beat each other." You're talking about people of of any sort of. I'm talking about not, not eating your own, not eating your own, established people above established the rung, above the rung of them
1: on the roster, right? Not against each other, not against the war dogs who are in the same spot as them. For Shota Aminu, he beat Zach Saber Jr., and then Saber got his win back. Yujiro and Chase Owens. Red Narita, surprisingly out of the five, has the most wins over what I would call the biggest established stars. He beat, in the TV title tournament, when they were pushing him, Ishii, Yano, and Sonata. And this was before Sonata got his push to the title. And Sonata later got the win back, okay? And then his other two wins were Chase Owens and, and Kato Kiyomiya, who doesn't work for the company. <laughs> right, right. So somebody show me all of these other top stars who are working with and putting these guys over. They don't exist. So if you're going to get on Okada's case, keep that same energy for the other top stars in the company. And let's talk about those guys. Out of those five young wrestlers who we all agree are the future of the company. Right. Do you know how many Tetsuya Naito has worked with?
0: Tetsuya Naito, he has worked. You talking one on one or directly
1: singles matches?
0: Singles matches. I would say, off the top of my head, he did. Hmm. I'll
1: give you the answer. He's worked with one. He had a match with Umino at New Beginning. That's right. That's that it.
0: was the one. Okay, right. I was trying to remember.
1: That's it. I thought he had, <clears throat> a,
0: but then he wouldn't have had a Suji match because they're in the same the same no, unit. So yeah, one match, of course, yeah.
1: Here's who Tanahashi has worked with on that list. Prime to be beaten, by the way. Mm -hmm. don't need to worry about beating Tanahashi.
0: president man, clearly Mm -hmm. on the way out, clearly done. Here's the complete list of young
1: talent that Tanahashi has wrestled, not even necessarily lost to.
0: Not not necessarily put over, but wrestled to give them a one-on-one match. Yes. Yep. Ready? Mm -hmm.
1: Here's the list.
0: All right. Joe, you still there?
1: I'm still here. That's the list. None of them. Damn it. (laughs) So it's zero. None of them. He hasn't stepped in a ring with any of those five one-on-one. But this is all Okada's. This is all on Okada. Okay. So Sonata ends up in the G1 block with these guys. And the story is Okada could have been in that block, but turned it down.
0: Right, which would have made a little bit more sense. And I, I said it at the time too, because Okada was doing the uh, I'm sick of these young guys story at the beginning of the year, and it all made to me it made sense that Okada would be in that block, you know, potentially, and then he wasn't and Sonata was in the block instead. But yeah. That 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 yeah, that was weird at the time. I thought that was weird at the time, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't
1: think it was weird at the time. And I think again, this is revisionist history. What difference does it make? whether it's Sonata or Okada, beating all of these kids. If it was Okada in that block, are you telling me that these five guys would be megastars now because they lost to Okada instead of of the guy who was the champion, by the way?
0: Right, who who was the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion at the time, yeah. You think that would have made such a huge difference? I don't. Okada
1: beating all these guys like a drum? Every one of them eating a Rainmaker, which is what would have happened. And here's the other thing. Here's why it's a bunch of bullshit, okay? You know who else was in that block with Suji and Aminu and Narita and Gabe Kidd? You know who else was in that block with Sonata and those guys? Hikoleo. And he beat those guys too. Instead of pointing the finger at Okada who has earned the right to say no thanks i'm the biggest star in this company ever aside from a noki
0: or 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 simply say give me a reason to lose to these guys give me yeah. why am i well, losing to these guys
1: instead of pointing the finger at him when are we going to point the finger at the booking where hikuleo is the other guy coming out of the block and winning matches against these guys right hikuleo, hikuleo. beat
0: Rita. he beat re- Rita. he beat umino and he beat suji in that block.
1: He beat Suji. Who else he beat?
0: He beat Suji. He beat Uminu. And he beat Narita in the block.
1: He beat three of them. Yep. Hikaleo. <laughs> but this is on Okada. We're man at Okada. Okay. This is utter nonsense. And oh, by the way. Who put, oh, who put Sonata over when he won the world title? Okada. After a years-long rivalry, who put Sonata over to win the world title? So, I just think this is a load of bullshit. He didn't even know he was leaving until January. They didn't know he was leaving. Do you know how I know they didn't know he was leaving? They had to rebook the entire New Beginning tour. That's how I know they didn't know he was leaving.
0: Yeah, they they, they did a press release that said we're re, we're recha- we're changing everything. Give us give us time to figure out what we're doing now to get this thing back on track. Yeah, it's it's well, and, and and to my point too is like you know just simply losing to guys to lose to guys is one thing. If you if you expect that out of a guy who's departing or whatever, which is is again, I don't know. They have to be a re- there has to be a reason to lose to these guys. There needs to be a purpose to losing to these guys. Okada is still, I mean, like you said, he's he's one of the tippy, tippy top stars that this company has ever had. He's not just gonna say, yeah, sure, you know, rebook New Beginning and have me lose to all four of these guys. No problem. Whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Now, any anybody who assumes that any top star would do that is nuts. No top star would do that. Nobody is gonna do that. Um also, like, there needs to be a a re you just if these guys were ready to go, and it was obvious these guys were ready to go, and it was obvious that 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 they're just that Yota Tsuji was one win away from just becoming a gigantic mega superstar, or you know there's there's things that you can do. That makes sense. And everybody will go back to, oh, well, Tanahashi was so selfless when he lost Okada. And we've said it a thousand times, too. That was the all-time, you know, all-time great move by Tanahashi to do that. But it was an all-time great move by Tanahashi. We talked about this last week, too, because he knew he was going to work with this guy for another fucking decade. And that's why he loses. Tanahashi didn't do it out of the kindness of his heart. He did it so he had a guy to face for the next decade. And he did. And we just saw him wrap up the series of matches that these guys had. That's why he lost. And, and for more, you know, that that that's a bigger a bigger piece of this is it's, it's a lot easier to lose to a guy if you know that you're going to make a dude and you're going to have that guy to work with for years and years and years. I'm doing a series right now on our Patreon uh, about Sting, and I just covered the Ric Flair versus Sting match at Class of Class the Champions 1. Now, obviously, Ric Flair didn't lose that match, but he went to a draw with, with Sting, and, and that's a famous, famous, you know, made-a-guy-in-one-night match is, is Ric Flair making Sting in one night. Ric Flair didn't do that out of the kindness of his heart. Ric Flair didn't say, ah, shucks, kid, I'm going to do it, so you're, you know— I, he did it so that he could work with this guy for another decade plus, and obviously Ric Flair would end up leaving and going to WWF or whatever, but he made Sting a star because he knew he needed a guy, and he wanted a guy that he could work with. He needed a baby Face to work with for the next decade or whatever he did, and that's exactly the purpose of, of, of doing that. So, I mean, this idea that like, like Okada should do, like what you pointed out, what no other top guy in New Japan is doing right now. And it's working with and losing to the young guys. Also, he's not the fucking Booker. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's. It, but, but even if you, you know, even if he did have that power and wielded that power to say, ah, you know what you're going to do? You're going to have me face this guy, this guy, and this guy, and I'm going to lose to them all. Those guys haven't been done right by booking either. They haven't been ready to go anyway. So now you're stuck in this situation where Okada's leaving. None of these guys are truly ready to move up to that next level. Like, maybe there would have been a really good – like I said, had Yotsuji, had Yuyu more had uh, Narita, had, you know, one of these guys been ready to go, uh, Shoto Umino. One of these guys was right on the cusp, right there. Oh, my God, they're just one win away. Then maybe you could have said, hey, Okada, can we have on, – on Sapporo, would you mind, you know – losing to Umino and, and, and maybe if that guy was just right on the cusp and just right about there, it would make a little more sense, and maybe it would be okay, and maybe Okada would say yeah or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he'd still say no. Who knows? But they haven't really set any of those guys up anyway, so it's like I, I think it would be even more worthless to just pack Okada into four matches with young guys and have him lose every single one just to say, aha, there, he lost to the young guys. Like There has to be a reason. There has to be a purpose There needs to be you know s- some sense in the booking, and, and I'm sorry, New Japan has just had very slow and sometimes senseless booking lately and 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 stuff like this where those young guys are not ready to go and aren't really at this point. I, I, I screamed about this last year and people told me I was being an idiot about it and I was screaming about this. It's time to go with these guys. Let's g- get the fucking let's put the pedal down, let's go, let's do something with these guys, you're just sitting here with these people and and fuck, I said it about the G1 last year and everybody told me, oh no, no, it's really good that they're all in the G1 together because you can tell future stories now that all these guys are in there together and now you have future stories about the G1 and I said, yeah, that's one way, but I think maybe now it's time for them to start getting wins over these guys and start really moving up this ladder because now they're all in the same spot they were a year ago and, and nobody's really ready and now Okada's leaving and okay, eventually a guy's going to get elevated, but I don't know, it just feels like I, I, I can't get mad at Okada for any of this. I can get very mad at New Japan booking for a lot of this. And again, you can get mad at that Okada is leaving them on on relatively short notice if you want or whatever. But everybody knows how the contracts work in Japan. Everybody knows the structure of the contracts. Like it, it's it's he's not the only guy that's done this, and, and he won't be the last guy that does this. And and maybe he should have done them more of a solid or whatever. But I don't know. I think he's earned the right to kind of be a big boy about this and, and decide. You know what? I'm leaving. Bye. And I don't know. I, I I'm not that worked up about this, but I am worked up about New Japan booking. And I have been worked out about New Japan booking for years. And I keep being told, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's right, uh, this is the way to do it, Oh, it's, uh, they move slow, you know what they do, this is how they do it, this is how they do it, this is how they do it. Well, I think you're going to have to do it a little different. Because now you're in a situation where I don't know that any of those young guys are ready to make that leap up. And now Okada and Osprey are leaving. Those are two massive gaps now in your main event scene that are now missing. And and I don't know. It may have been well and good to tell future stories in the G1 block, but I think you may have been better off having these guys get some big wins over some some top guys and established guys. Having them work well, with I established mean. guys. And they're not. And they haven't, and they're not going to. Because two of those they're established guys me. are leaving. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club, Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: They don't beat anybody. None of these kids beat anybody. They beat, three of them have beat Chase Owens. That's the level of person that they beat. They beat guys who don't work for the company and Chase Owens.
0: Right. They beat Kaito Ujuro. Kiyomiya and Yujiro and Chase Owens. Yeah. While Hikuleo beats them. While Hikuleo's a step he, above there.
1: Exactly. So, this idea that Okada working with them just would have been some kind of sprinkle of magic, I don't buy it. It's a load of shit. They're not even booking these guys to beat Hikuleo, who has no future, by the way. Okay, he doesn't. Let's be honest.
0: I'm, I'm getting off that island. I was on that island briefly, and it's taking a lot of water, and there's snakes, and I don't want to be on the island anymore. So now I have. Uh, I'm waving down boats. I'm waving down planes. I'm ready to get off the island. I'm. A, I'm, I'm I mean, the,
1: the guys is on the. He's on the first plane to Connecticut. First chance he gets, anyway. Seven foot tall. So you can't sit here and sell me on this that it's O'Connor's fault that these guys that they're. Development is stunted when this company won't even put them over Leo. It, it falls apart, and they had Okada working with Kiyomiya. And if I'm Okada, and you approach me and you ask me to put him over, I laugh in your face. He don't even he don't even go here, and I'm gonna put this guy over who doesn't work here, who Muto wouldn't put over. I'm going to look like the goof losing to a guy who couldn't beat a broken down 60 year old dinosaur. I'm going to lose to him, though. And I'm not saying they asked him to, but that's who he was programmed with early in the year. And it was a very one sided feud, as it should have been. As it should be,
0: because one guy is Kaito Kiyomiya and the other guy is, is Okada. So, yeah, it's.
1: He doesn't work there. And Muto beat him like a drum. So what would that mean politically? Muto, who worked in the same company as the kid, wouldn't even put him over, but I should? No, I'm gonna geek him out the way that I did. So I don't know, again, who else are these guys working with and getting put over by? Nobody. So I'm sorry. I just don't buy that narrative. People can be mad at the guy if they want to leave him, but let's uh, let's pump the brakes on this idea that it was his responsibility to spend all year putting these guys over, whether that be laying on his back for him or working with him or anything else.
0: Unless, like you said, unless... Naito was working with all these guys, and Tanahashi was working with all these guys, and all uh, right. every, everybody else is working with all these guys. But then there's this one dude who just won't work with any of the young guys, and beats him every time he does work with them. But that's not the case. You just laid it out right there. None of these, none of these guys are working with the young guys. And again, I'm not blaming none Naito, more. and I'm not blaming Tanahashi, and I'm not blaming all these other guys. I'm blaming the booking that is 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 molasses slow with pushing these young guys to the point of just yeah, it, it's it, come on, man. The writing was on the wall two years ago. These are the guys that you need to start pushing, and these guys proved it throughout the year will. too. Maybe they'll. And maybe they will, but they're now they're forced to. So it's like I don't know. I think you could. You had a situation, and and they did this in 2016. They did this. In, we said at the time in 2016. You know what? They've done a really good job with having a lot of guys that are right on the cusp of coming up. We talked. We said about Kenny Omega, Right on the cusp of coming up. He's right there. He just needs the opportunity. Just needs a spot and a little bit of good booking. And what, what happened in 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 four months time after that? He's winning G ones hey, and, and
1: and listen, I'll go a step further than you. I don't even have a problem with how they book these five guys to share. This is New Japan's way.
0: They, well, it, they, they, their they, way sucks. They need a new way because their way is not good. It's not working. I'm sorry. Uh, their way is boring.
1: Determined. I don't know if it's not working.
0: Because it they be no, boring. because the problem is they do put they push Finley and they push Tamatong and they push Sonata and they push Hikaleo. Their way sucks. They're pushing the wrong guys, is what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, I'm not going to defend pushing Hikuleo. What about pushing David Finley? They pushed David I Finley mean, this year. I don't like it. I don't like it. Is it going to work? I don't know. To be determined. I don't know. I don't like it though. I agree with you. I don't want to see these guys get pushed. I was ready to be done with Finley years ago. Someone listened to one of our old shows. The first time we said Finley needs a change of scenery. He's hit his ceiling here. It was like 2016 or something. Maybe not that long ago. It was years ago. It was pre-pandemic we said that. Here we are. He's still here. And now he's getting pushed. It's crazy. But I feel like somewhere along the line, okay, the narrative shifted. Everyone was thrilled with how they were bringing these guys along all year and planting seeds. No one complained about that G1 block, except you, as you just laid out. Everyone else seemed to love it and thought it was great that these guys were all on the same G1 block. They get to wrestle each other. They get to set the stage for years from now. I agree. But then when Okada decided to leave, we went back and revised history a lot when it came to these five guys. All of a sudden it was, we didn't do enough and it's all Okada's fault. Oh, that G1 block, it, it should have been Okada. When in real time, everyone praised that block and thought it was a great idea. Then it played out and the booking was garbage. And I talked about it in real time on my shows, the G1 shows. (laughs) Hikuleo? <laughs> he should have won a couple of matches at the most that's the perfect guy for these guys to beat and he he came out of the block what the fuck
0: i forgot he came out of the block
1: <laughs> i mean yeah. that's just malpractice
0: it is, yeah. I, I, I think that they have a way. I know they have a way, but the way that they've had, they've booked, they they've they've pushed and they've protected a lot of guys that I do not think are worthy of that. They they gave a world title to Sonata, I would have never done that in a million years. They've like you said, they they protect Hikoleo more than they protect a lot of the other young guys. They push David Finley. I would never in a million years push David Finley. They well, pushed Tomatonga. The it's, it's
1: you had to set up Hikoleo for a tag team title run that ends with kenta and chase owens oh you had to set them up for that
0: yeah the match that we saw here in osaka fuck me jesus christ hey,
1: listen listen at least david finley and Tonga got legitimate pushes hiko leo what did it lead to like the worst tag team champions they've had in years and a reign that ends to kenta and chase owens which tells you it was meant to go nowhere And that's who was beating these guys in the G1. And we're pointing the finger at Okada because maybe he didn't want to be in that block. I I don't know. It doesn't. It's all a load of bullshit to me. I I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I don't don't buy it. Maybe there was a little. This doesn't work for me, brother. I'm not denying that. Maybe there was. Hasn't he earned the right to call some of his own shots?
0: It It happens more than people think to be honest, and like yeah.
1: I said, if all these other big stars were working with these guys all year and putting them over, I'd be right there along. Everybody right. Else right. Saying,
0: okay, all right. Yeah. I said it a, a couple minutes ago. If, if you went down that list of all the other guys and you said, Naito worked with bam, 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 bam. And I should work with bam, 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 bam. And this guy worked with, and Shingo worked with bam, bam. bam like all these guys. And then Okada, you're like, nah, nobody. Nobody, not one. I was like, okay, that's kinda weird that all these other guys are all working with young dudes and Okada's not. Then I would say, all right, that seems like something weird's happening with Okada, but why why is it why is it Okada's prerogative to do that when nobody else is doing that in the company? Uh it's it's yeah, it's 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 strange. So I I'm because with
1: i th- I I think the idea is, well, He's a snake who knew he was leaving. And I don't know if I buy that. If he knew he was leaving in fucking May. That's still not his obligation to do that. Well, he wouldn't have announced it in fucking January. He was obviously indecisive and torn up by the decision. He didn't even hire the agent until late December. So if the idea is he was plotting this all along. And just didn't want to do any jobs or help out the company because he knew he was on his way out. I don't buy that. I don't think he knew he was on his way out until that Thursday when we were on the air when he told them he was on his way out. Which was after Wrestle Kingdom. Right? It was in January. It was like in January. Yeah, yeah. hmm So. Anyway, that's the, uh, we should go through the rest of the card. We should. This, uh. For this new beginning so did you watch the whole show i watched the whole show
0: uh i watched bits and pieces of the undercard so i can i can i'll give you results if you want and i can jump in when 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 necessary i watched bits and pieces of it and not see every single match uh how just, about
1: with the state of my voice give the result i'll give a little thought on these undercards and then we could talk more okay at length about yeah
0: let's do that so uh Toru yano and yo defeated oleg bolton and uh and and ryusuke taguchi i uh Cannot imagine you have many thoughts about this match. but uh,
1: No, they just kept it super short, and there wasn't much to it at all. Three minutes um, and
0: 45 seconds. Very, very
1: short. We've gotten our wish with with Taguchi, where he's just completely out of the mix for anything that means anything. Fine with me. Which, yeah, long overdue.
0: Long, long long overdue. Uh, Bishman, Goto, and and Yoshihashi, of course, uh, defeated Callum Newman and Great Okan. This one about 7 minutes and 37 seconds as well.
1: So just a strong tag team win for the strongest push tag team in the company over the last year or so, Vishimon mm-hmm. So um, you know, Callum Newman. I you want to talk about him now or wait till the main event? You want to just do him now? Let's do it now. Yeah, match?
0: let's do it now because you and I have All both right. been pretty high on him for for a little while now, for a couple of years. If you listen to this, years now. been listening yeah. to this show, you know this name. You, you, if you listen to us, you know this name. We've been talking about him. Osprey's had his eyes on this guy for for years as well. So we've been pretty high on him.
1: Yeah, he's Osprey's protege, and Osprey spoke about him in the post match comments after the main event. Um, I don't know. Did you watch the post match comments or just I did in ring? I did. Post-match? I, I watched okay. post match too. Yeah. So he made it a point to bring up Callum Newman and and tell everybody to keep an eye on him and take care of him. And he's you know he's way better than me at the same age, which is something I have been saying for a couple of years now. Callum Newman is twenty
0: one years old, and. Yeah, was the, what was, was Will? 20. Yeah, what was Will when he was 21? What year is that? He was 2014. It was
1: right around the time he was having the series of matches with Matt Seidel that kind of really broke him out yeah. outside of Europe. Yeah, he he was still. And there is no question. Yeah, he was pretty rough. Callum Newman is better today than Will Osprey was in 2014. It's undeniable.
0: Yeah, I, I I think I could get down with that easily.
1: In 2014, Will Osprey was obviously a top-level prospect who everyone knew had a chance to be great, who had tons of flaws. All the shit that stupid people still say about Will Ospreay today were true in 2014. It's just that those people have never, in 10 years, adjusted their opinions with reality. But that's what Osprey was, a guy who did a lot of flippy-doos but but didn't have to sell. That's not Calum Newman. He is way more advanced at the same age than Osprey, and, and it was so funny that Osprey said that because that's what I've been saying about Callum Newman. Watch out because he's better than Will was at this age. Now, is he going to have Will Ospreay's charisma? Is he going to be as good as Will Ospreay, who I think is an all-time great at this point? That's asking a lot.
0: Yeah, does he have the desire yeah, what, to be as great a, a, as as Will right. was? Cuz Will just worked his fucking ass off like <clears throat> like no other guy that I've ever seen in wrestling history who just so badly loved wrestling and wanted to be great at wrestling and 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 he's Will's like a one of one in that of, of a guy that you could just see and he would work everywhere against anybody anytime did not matter. He just wanted to get better and get reps and wrestle and go out there and and, and do those sort of things. So, yeah, you got to be one of the all-time hardest workers ever to reach Will Ospreay's level. And that might not happen. But he got
1: to New Japan two or three years before Will did. Yeah. No. And Newman's a guy who, like Will, his talent was obvious the first time I watched him. And and he has a chance to be a real star moving forward. There's no question about it. And um, and Will Ospreay handpicked him for a reason. He got him into New Japan for a reason. And he put, he made sure before he left that, this company that he put the guy over. And, um, you know, he's taking his lumps and he's a pin eater right now, as he should be, but it's someone to keep an eye on. I think he has gained, he, he's put on some weight, which is a good thing. Um, cause he wasn't going to make it with that body, but he was a literal kid. He was 18, 19 years old. When we first started watching
0: him, he's now 21. Well, remember what and, Will looked like? Remember what he looked mm-hmm. like in 2014? See, yeah, he exactly. He was 110 yeah. pounds soaking wet, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was a little beanpole is, is what Sue Williams just said in the chat room. He just said, swords of Essex beanpole, Will Ospreay. I mean, he was just, yeah, it looked like nothing. He was just nothing. But, yeah, it, it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of health, a lot of energy to get your body to, the, to where it's going to get to and get your body to where Will's body is at this point
1: yeah and and you know he's got will osprey to guide him through and because osprey already walked the path that this kid is is beginning to walk so um yeah so bishiman look i would presume that they're headed back into a tag team title program with uh with kenta and chase owens but who knows i I think they should just put the titles back on those guys because they're they're a stable tag team they have good matches and I don't like anything about the tag team division since they've lost the titles. No, so.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, we'll talk about that match uh, in a little bit. Uh, just five guys: Duki. Oh, sorry, House of Torture. I, I skipped a House of Torture match. How could I? I also skipped this in my viewing as well. So you'll have to uh, chime in here because I did not watch this. I, I have no time for House of Torture in my life. Uh, Evil Renrita to Show and Yujiro defeat El Desperado, Shoto Tiger Mask, and Tomiaki Hanma. Yeah, not uh, no, not watching that match.
1: Yeah, well, it's just you know, it's it's evil and Shota Minu and Show and Despi, you know, setting up future matches more mm. than anything else. Here, it's nothing else to note. Very weird babyface side. Despy kind of a man on an island. Shota Minu, and then with Tiger Mask, <laughs> Tomoaki <laughs> Hanma, you know, just drifting into town to work the fucking dates, you know. So, but yeah, they're just setting up the future singles matches with the bigger stars in the in the in the bout.
0: Uh, and then just five guys, Duki, Sonata, Taichi, Takamichinoku, Noku, Yu Yuomura, L.I.J., Bushi, Hiromu, Shingo, Naito, Yotasuji.
1: Yeah, did you watch the, um, the, uh, not the elimination match, the, uh, what, it, um, the gauntlet match between these two teams at Korkin? I didn't, actually. I heard that was pretty solid. I should probably check that out. So, you could really just fast forward to the, the final leg, which was uh, Yuomura and Suji, and... Um, Suji beat him with the spear so it's not like they're not putting a focus on these guys they are you know if you remember we just talked about Will Ospreay when he first came in it was a member of Chaos and they were doing all those elimination matches at Cork and he would often be the last guy left do you remember that? Oh yeah. yeah. in like the elimination match so it's kind of like the same thing and that tells you who they believe in and who they think can be a star and they gave you a more Suji a lot of time in there with each other. And they had like a, a really cool, like mini singles match with a lot of heat at the end of that gauntlet match. Now, listen, you're not going to confuse this gauntlet match with like the classic gauntlet matches of the past. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Couple. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Don't, don't, you know, so I'm saying like the rest of it is, is mostly skippable, but it, 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 it wouldn't be a waste of time to watch those two guys at the end. So yeah, these two units have been feuding and this was just on this night, Sonata and Naito um, were not the focus. So they were in a tag deep, deep down on the card. And then we entered the business end of things. Right.
0: So Cod and tanahashi actually, we talked about that. We both gave our thoughts on that. Uh, IWGP tag team titles, bullet club, Chase Owens and Kenta defeat the mm-hmm. girls of destiny. El Phantasmo and Hikuleo. Uh, to win the titles. This was fucking atrocious. God, this was terrible. The, you don't see yeah, the, was... the level of of the the floor on most New Japan matches is pretty good, man. This this one was right at the floor or just below it, man. This was this was as bad as it gets in New Japan for wrestling. I thought this was atrocious. Terrible. Terrible terrible match.
1: Yeah. Um I don't know. I look it was just a very much an American style Tag team title match and you know Taiji Ishimori costed you know he cost Fantasmo and Hikuleo the titles and a very American style finish, but I didn't have any expectations. I, I have to be honest.
0: I I'm happy the titles changed
1: hands. I cannot stand this Fantasmo hikaleo
0: I don't know if it changed to the right team. I don't know if I'm I do not know if I can be happy about Chase Owens and Kenta.
1: No, I don't I don't care. Get Hikuleo and Fantasmo out of here and just just have Bishimon beat Owens and Kenta or whatever. And, and I, I, listen, people can bury me all they want. I'd rather watch Kenta and Chase Owens than Phantasma and Hikaleo. I hate that fucking team. That's, they, that's
0: a tough, yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. I get that. I, I get, I get, yeah. They're, they're, they were not good. This was a bad, bad, bad title reign. And, uh, they are a very bad team. So, um, I get, that. I just
1: have no interest in Hikaleo at all. I'm out on him. And, Phantasmo as a babyface, which I knew was going to be his ultimate destination, just isn't working for me. So maybe as a single, he'll work better. Um, you know, I because I don't think they're going to have big plans for Chase Owens and Kenta. They're just going to lose the titles to whatever other babyface they have planned.
0: <laughs> Bishiman, probably. <laughs> it's probably just going problem, back to Bisshiman, which, yeah. which is fine, right? Which is, is you know, so whatever. Yeah, this division, man. This division's been. It's terrible. It's been in a rough it's place terrible. for a long time. Yeah, it's been in a rough place for a very long time. Um, when it's not on Bishiman, and even then when it's on Bishiman, it's like, again? All right. I mean,
1: last year, you know, with Bishiman and Okada and Tanahashi, you know, a while back, maybe a year ago or so, it really wasn't that bad. It's It's more of a recent thing where it's really gone into the shitter. I just haven't had any interest in these tag team title matches.
0: Uh, and then we had let's let's get into a positive thing here. Zach Saber Jr. versus Brian Danielson. Uh, Zach Saber Jr. getting the win, getting his revenge uh, from Wrestle Dream, getting the win over Brian Danielson. Joe, I fucking loved, 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 loved this match. This this was extremely my shit. Just a a, a war between these two guys. It went thirty two minutes, but I don't care. I, I I thought the the pacing was good. I thought the work was good. I thought this was just two dudes that just and, and like. The first match had a level of respect to an extent. You know what I mean? It had a little bit. This one had no respect. This was just guys spitting at each other, slapping each other, locking on holds, being assholes to each other. Just guys being dudes just locking each other in holds and spitting and slapping and snarling. And just, yeah, I, 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 there's not much, I, I, there's not much more I could say that that, uh, about how much I love this match. It was just, it, it, it it was one of the better new Japan matches I've seen in, in, in quite some time. Um, I gotta think back to if anything at Wrestle Kingdom made me feel like this match made me feel. I'm not. I don't. I don't remember. But man, it it just landed on me for the right night. And maybe it was because I was kind of down on Okada and Tanahashi. And then I watched that fucking tag match, and I was like, Oh dear God! I was like, What has happened in New Japan? And then these guys come out here, and they just grapple, and they just work, and everything is snug, and everything makes sense. And it's like you know, last week we talked about how you know NXT will do this, like the attempt at like grappling and it's just the worst shit you've ever seen it's roxanne perez taking five minutes to do a, a backslide and slowly roll out of it and like not everything seems coordinated and purposeful and, and all that sort of stuff this is the exact opposite with this match i mean everything that these guys did was like a struggle and a, oh i got your arm and oh wait now you got my arm and now i have your leg and I, it's just little stuff like that little stuff that, that like if you're a fan of like kind of grappling. You got that. But then at some points of the match, they just decided, let's just slap the fuck out of each other, too. Let's just drop each other on our heads. And and that, I love the, the, that it wasn't strictly grappling, that you had a little bit of that hatred involved in it as well. But uh, I can't say enough great things about this match. Whereas the Wrestle Dream match, I was a little, maybe not not disappointed but a little underwhelmed with the wrestle dream match that i think i still liked but you know made it to our top 10 of our match of the year and we talked about uh, on our, our reaction show to the top 10 with the, we did on the patreon that we were kind of surprised that it made it to the top 10 uh this is a match that i thought blew away the wrestle dream match i uh flirted with five stars in this one i ultimately went four and three quarters but uh i thought this was just phenomenal pro wrestling and exactly the type of wrestling that i want and i need <laughs> especially after that tag title match just uh yeah the the, the guys in, in the you know, both in the, in the leg hold and just slapping each other back and forth and spitting at each other. I was just, yeah, it's it's just what I love about pro wrestling, man. So I, I I adore this match.
1: Yeah, this was a this was a masterpiece. I thought it was significantly better than the Wrestle Dream match, which I thought was an excellent match. But this is a surefire match of the year contender. It's the best match I've seen this year. I know it's only February, but. It was just great, you know this is um this is what I want out of pro wrestling right now, you know it's and and I don't want to argue with a straw man or argue with the world's dumbest people, but there's this constant conversation about storytelling and wrestling and and you know the uh the pre match video completely laid this out you know they wrestled once in 2018 in a small bar somewhere in 2008 2008 2008 yeah that's what i meant in a small bar somewhere and uh danielson won a 2 out of 3 falls match then they wrestled in a <laughs> danielson tournament says, in i
0: think there was like 20 maybe 30 people there or something like that you know he's I mean? just like doesn't matter doesn't matter nobody was there yeah. a long time ago and they wrestled a tournament in europe for wxw
1: and they had the match at wrestle dream and that led to this and Here's the story. The widely recognized two best technical wrestlers in the world at the same time, over the same time period, are having their fourth ever match against one another. And they want to tap each other out. Danielson won last time, but he didn't tap him out. And Sabre thinks that was the cheap way out. Because the idea was someone's got to tap the other guy out. And here they are hooking it up again. And the intensity with everything, you know, it's like you mentioned briefly Roxanne Perez and, and, uh, Laya Valkyria or whatever her name is. Now we buried their chain wrestling because there was just no intensity to any of it, no struggle, just doing things. And right, oh, your now turn, your turns turn. My turn, turn to yeah, hold yeah, up. Yeah. Now your turn. And just looks terrible and it's just bad. And then you compare it to this, where it's just a real sense of struggle Two of the best ever in this style going out there and doing it.
0: And yeah, every reversal you know, and, and, meant something, every grab, you know, every hold met, you know, and they all kind of led into one thing. It would all be there. There was a reason a particular reversal was being done. And, yeah.
1: And the intensity and the strikes and and then uh, and then Saber. You know, rolls up Danielson. He doesn't tap him out either. So you know there's another match coming. They're not done. And that's storytelling. This is the you know <laughs> this is the kind of storytelling I can sink my teeth
0: into. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, Joe. It's it's two guys that are both, you know, at the best in their they they both think that they're the best in the world at what they do and they fight each other to determine who is the best in the world at what they do. And then one guy wins one time and the other guy wins another time. And now they have to do it one more time to break the tie, to figure out who is really the best at this thing that they do.
1: And neither has tapped the other out. Nope. Which is the goal. And it, they're just at this stale me. And you know, it, it's, this is pro wrestling <laughs> storytelling. That's what this is at its best. And
0: this used not to be a commonplace. One act. This used to be commonplace too. This used to be the the standard of what of what was being told.
1: And it's it's not a little one act play in Las Vegas where you come out of it and you still don't know what anybody what it's leading to or what they're doing. And maybe some people like that and need that, and that's fine, I guess. But I prefer this. This is just great. And the match itself was incredible. This was a fucking masterpiece, you know. This is uh, yeah, it's a five star match to me. You know, I, I can I can definitively say this is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Um, I held my attention all the way through. I was, you know, and 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 again, this is storytelling. That's part of the reason I loved it so much because of the story coming in and because of the story they told in the ring and because I was so fascinated with how it would end. Is Danielson going to tap him this time? Is Sabre going to tap him and then claim he has the one up? But neither guy can tap the other. And I know I want to see them wrestling. Right,
0: right. right. Both guys have had a resort to just like, ah, fuck it. I'll just roll you up and get the one, two, three. Fine. You know, they, they spend 35 minutes trying to tap each other out and then eventually just say, ah, you know, I'm just going to get out of here with the win. Fine. And then Sabre rolls him up. One, two, three. Okay, good. Got out of there with the win. But but there, but there you know that there's unfinished business. You know, even even in victory, Zach Sabre Jr. isn't happy. And, you know, even in victory, Brian Danielson wasn't happy the first time. They want to get in that ring. And get the guy in the middle of the fucking ring, put on one of their crazy submission holds, and get that motherfucker to tap out and stand up and shake their hand and, and say, yeah, you're the best. I got tapped out by the best.
1: You know, but some people are pro wrestling fans. And some people watch this stuff for entirely different reasons. And I just, it's just they're so close-minded because you're, you're missing a lot of shit that's really great. And there's a lot of different ways to tell stories through the medium of pro wrestling. And it doesn't always have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be super dramatic.
0: Right. Guys don't have to run each other over with cars and cut long promos and abduct babies and all that sort of stuff. You could just in you could just... order
1: for it to be a story. And that's where a lot of people have gone wrong and have been taught wrong.
0: Right. What's the story? Where's the story? Where's the story? It's I just see two guys in the ring grappling and slapping each other. What's the story? And it's like. Well,
1: like, there's a four-minute pre-match video to tell you the story. And if that's not enough story for you, then.
0: Here's a 30-minute match that's going to tell you the story as well.
1: Yeah. Watch and it. at the risk of being a gatekeeper, then you don't, you know, you don't like pro wrestling. You like that other thing. and And, and that's fine. But. These are the kind, and and what AEW is doing right now, for the most part, you know, not up and down the card. They've gotten back to their roots. And, you know, Brian Danielson, let me talk about this for a minute. Think about this run that we would have missed out on if he would have chosen to stay.
0: WWE. It's, it's revolting. It's revolting to think about. You know, these, uh, he's been so good. (laughs) If in a world where Will Ospreay doesn't exist, this guy is, is. is and has been far and away the best guy in, in wrestling. And Listen, I think and he's I not far off, and he's not far off right now, even with Will existing. I can't argue with you if you put him ahead of Will. No.
1: Since he's come to AEW. I wouldn't argue with you. You know,
0: and it's... <clears throat> we would have missed out on these these Zack Sabre Jr. matches. This fucker has 14 matches that are 9-plus on Cage Match right now. Yeah, I mean, the Sabre <laughs> nine plus. matches... 9-plus! The Kenny Omega draw...
1: Um, The MJF match, the Okada matches, the Continental Classic.
0: That Roosh match. I love that Roosh match.
1: The the Andrade TV match as well, which was another great match. The Hechicero match on Collision. Mm
0: -hmm. These current Kingston matches.
1: Yeah, the Kingston matches. The Ricky Starks strap match.
0: Yep. Forgot about that one. <laughs> the match, I think <laughs> wait, that one you mentioned what seventh, and that's what I think you've won. It might have been second, the second
1: second match of the year
0: uh, in the match of the year last year.
1: Yeah, and it it's arguably the best one, the Bandito TV match.
0: Right, the fight without honor. Um, part of that match, yeah, the
1: Dynamite match with Takeshita, mm-hmm. the Sammy Guevara matches, um, and the 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 uh, the, um, the Daniel Garcia match.
0: Yes, yeah. part of Anarchy in the Arena as well. You know, the vital part of anarchy in the arena,
1: the television run where he was beating guys in those short matches and, and just kicking their heads in, which were great little TV matches against um. John Silver was the one it culminated with because it was building to the hangman matches. We didn't mention, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the hangman matches. So it was John <laughs> Silver, Colt Cabana. Yeah. I forget the other evil Uno, maybe. He bloodied him up, right?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, right, 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 yeah, yeah.
1: So it's like we would have had none of this.
0: The Nagata match. They just did.
1: Yeah, the Yuji Nagata match. (laughs) How fucking great is that, yeah. And next month he's going to Arena Mexico for the eight-man tag. Which probably is gonna set up the Blue Panther hair versus hair match.
0: The match that he's wanted for 25 years of his life. 26. And, and he's gonna
1: and it, that he's going to beg to lose. Which, you know, might not fill a notebook, but it's going to be something. And I'm going to love every second of it. And fuck it, it might reach those heights. Who knows? That's hard. Are you going to bet against this and, guy? You're betting against Brian Danielson right now? And if he would have stayed in that wretched company. Remember when everyone was talking about when he came back? The the Daniel Bryan Dream Match Tour. Oh, the Dream
0: Match Tour. Yeah, we talked. We we spent almost an entire show laughing at these tweets being like, oh, man, he's going to face Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates and all these guys. And we're (laughs) like, you stupid fucking idiots. You're not getting any of them. Yeah, none of those matches, every single match that you listed, not a single one of those is happening, by the way.
1: And if you get them, they're going to be worked in that house style. They're not going to reach their peaks. And you barely got any of them. But he got out of there.
0: You got big casts, by the way. You got big fucking casts.
1: Right out of the gate. (laughs) That's what you got.
0: You got Uh, this guy small, that guy big is what you got right out of the fucking gates.
1: You know, and, and later on, you got some decent stuff.
0: Yeah, because he said it. Because he said, Fucker, I want to work with Mustafa Ali. So, you know what? Make me work with Mustafa Ali. And they did. Yeah, he he got on the booking team and <laughs> said, Fucker, I'm facing he Mustafa Ali. Shit. Right. And then Ali got hurt and he said, Fucker, I'm facing Kofi Kingston. <laughs> and then he got it.
1: Yeah. But we almost missed out on this run. The Minoru Suzuki match on YouTube.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always forget about that one. Yeah.
1: You know, you know, we're going to keep forgetting him. But it's like, I really believe that this run, since he's left WWE, is the best run of his career. Right there with 2006, which is the first year that comes to mind, the ROH World Title run, and any other year you want to come up with in his career. I will take this run. And I don't even know if it's controversial. Is that controversial?
0: Um, no, I don't think so. I really don't. I, I, I'm with you. I think I'm with you too. I love this stuff. This stuff is just a whole other level. Where I, I think like there was a lot of value in in those other areas you're talking about, like the 2006 run. The, the, those sort of runs are, are are great. But he was also telling like meta stories in those runs or whatever. So not every match landed quite as much like if you were following ring of honor at the time and watching all those things at the time yeah it's a great like an encapsulation of a year it was a great year and he had a really really fun year and he was telling really good stories in the ring and all that sort of stuff but now it's like motherfucker, this guy comes out and every single goddamn time he wrestles it's just like that match fucking rocks you know what i mean like for in 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 single little snippets then all kind of combined together this run is better because i think his matches overall are have been better that's not to say I didn't like you know the, the other runs were were good and they were done, but like this one in terms of like an overall like great matches happening almost every time he comes out. That's where on right now he 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 the guy doesn't miss right now. Every single time out.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's 2006. There's like 2008 to 2009. That run, um, you know, with like the Morishima isn't that like the Morishima stuff and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um. What would have been his best WWE year? Fourteen?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, fourteen. Well, no, 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 of- no, no, no. He got hurt fourteen. He got hurt, hurt pretty quickly after fourteen. So, uh, thirteen would probably be. Well, no, I don't know. But see, this is the thing. They're not. They're really not that good. All those years. I thirteen would be the year. Thirteen would be the year because he had the Cesaro match. I uh, had the match with John Cena at SummerSlam. That was really, really good. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess 14 by by proxy of simply having the WrestleMania matches, but I didn't like the main event. We talked about that even at I'm the time. I am just trying to listen. No, I'm you're not trying find, to be I mean, you're not find one anywhere on the same fucking stratosphere. <clears throat> you, you can name every year he was there. No, none of them are anywhere close.
1: None of them stack up to these other years we're no. talking about. No. I really think this is the best run of his life because of the variety of the work he's doing. Like, think about all these matches we talked about and how different they all are. Whether it's a strap match or these grappling matches with Zack Sabre Jr. or Hechicero or working with the guys from Japan like Yuji Nagata and Minoru Suzuki or the the dream matches with Okada or the 60-minute draws with people like Hangman and, and Omega. You know, there's such variety in the work he's doing. The television matches we talked about where he was just beating the shit out of people slotted below him with the goal of intimidating the world champion in front of their matches. Uh, there's just, you know, the tag matches and the six man tags with the black with the Blackpool Combat Club. We didn't even talk about anything other than singles matches.
0: Right. I, I talked about the anarchy it, in the arena and the and the fight without honor or whatever. I, I tried to yeah. throw those in as, as much as I could, but yeah. <laughs>
1: oh you know, the strap match with with Ricky Starks which by the way they had a Texas death match a couple of weeks later that was really good that gets forgotten
0: it does yeah that one does really get forgotten which it shouldn't
1: and and with the you know the continental classic and all the stories that were told um to me this is his best run i'm ready to say it and we could have been robbed of it and i'm glad that we weren't and i don't buy that he's ever going to retire the way, the, the way that he's working now, he could work that style like these luchadors do until he's 60. He didn't take any big bumps against Sabre. He didn't take any big bumps against Hechicero.
0: Nah, he's out there rolling right now, man. Yeah, he's out there rolling. He can slap and roll for, for. hey, look at Blue Panther. He could slap and roll for a long time.
1: You know, so um, I hope he never goes back to that wretched place because this is incredible i mean that's saber match god that was so fucking good yeah and they had like like you said probably seven or eight of those where you're like i'll never forget this. like that mjf match at revolution come on
0: that's yeah it's an all-time great wrestling match I, anyway, I, I just
1: it. wanted to have that conversation and make that point. I, I really think he's on the greatest run of one of the greatest in-ring careers that have ever been.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he, he's putting the cherry on top of an already insanely great pro wrestling career. And it's like, we didn't really realize how great, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think we realized how, like, how could he get greater and oh wait, he's getting greater. How is this fucking possible? And this is, like, the end of the full-time run. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's just like, this is, like, this is him capping off an all-time great career with, like, an insanely all-time great all great run, which is, is is absolutely wild. All right, let's get to the uh, main event now. And then, uh, man, we, a lot of New Japan here, this uh, episode. You know what?
1: We haven't done big-time New Japan talk in a long and, time.
0: It has been a while. It does feel like it has been a while. So there we go. We're back. And
1: this it. is a good it because of this show and Okada news. So fuck it, man. This used to be our calling card. It did, and we obviously still have the fastball. Okay, we still have the fastball.
0: <laughs> well, ready for a ready for a change up here, Joe. Steel Cage Ten Man Tag Bullet Club War Dogs versus United Empire. 64 minutes and 5 seconds. This match is getting... Uh, right now, it's at a 9.04 on cage match, so it is it is charting pretty well. Uh, and here's where maybe I become the weird low man on this thing. I did not like this match at all. At all.
1: All, all the floor is yours, sir.
0: Did not like it. Too long. Um, there was a good 20-minute match contained in this 64-minute match. Um, it's possibly because of what I watch elsewhere and my inability to really get into guys hitting each other with shit and going through tables and bleeding. I, I see some form of this kind of match on every wrestling show I watch now and every wrestling show I've watched for the last five years seemingly has a match that's like this. Now this one obviously had bigger stakes and had more important things in it. And I'm not taking, I thought the the beginning was really good. I thought Will Ospreay telling, you know, David Finley uh, you want to be a leader, you want to be a man. I'm not doing just a couple minutes with you, I want to do 10 minutes with you, that that sort of thing. I thought I like that. I like the ending of the war dogs all surrounding Osprey, Osprey knowing that he's dead and just accepting his fate, trying like hell. Ha, ah, maybe I'll do, you know, I'll do a hidden blade and realizing ah, I can't do shit. All right, fine. Just fucking put me out of my misery, beat me, that's over. And there were individual spots in between the other fifty minutes of this match that that were good, but uh, I don't know, man. Too long. Too much guys just hitting each other with shit. I've seen so many of these matches lately, it, it, it's, I'm desensitized to them. I'm never, I've never been a war games guy either. I think most war games matches suck. There's like two good war games ever, and uh, and there's a good cage of death. <laughs> you know, there, ROH, CCW, cage of death is good too. So I don't. It's not my style of match. I don't love it. And I just thought this one was way, way too long. And I didn't think it was that exciting. I, I, I didn't. I thought I was going to get a match of hatred and like real, you know. These teams want to rip each other apart. And instead, I got, I don't know, I got a lot more of guys hitting each other with shit and going through tables and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I i i am more than happy being the low man on this match. I guess I'll just take that and eat it. But I, I, I didn't like it at all. I, I just thought it was too long, too boring. Not my cup of tea. So I don't know. What would you think of it? Um, I mean,
1: I don't know what I thought of it. It was way too long. Way too long. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was enthralled for the entire 64 minutes. I was not. It should have been a lot shorter. There were moments I think Akira really stood out. He showed a lot of fire. The crowd really loved him and his story of the guy who was skeptical about the match and not even wanting to be in the match. Then he gets in the match and he's just a
0: house of fire. He starts off by climbing the the cage and jumping from it. Like, you know what? If I'm going to do this thing, fuck it. I'm going to do it. Jumps off the top. Yeah, I I, I like that. Yeah, he's the smallest guy
1: in there. He's the heart and soul of the United Empire. And he has really gotten over with the New Japan fans. He was a highlight. Hanare was a highlight. Once he got all bandaged up and was just a fucking madman in there, I thought he acquitted himself very well. Jilla Maloney looked like Rambo. He looked like Rambo. He had a good Harry. look. He, he, he had a like, good look.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I'm not a fan of the War Dogs. It's just got go away heat for me. So that I thought in this little. match in
0: particular, it was a way overdone. Just ah, oh, motherfucker, fuck this, fuck you, you motherfucker. It's, ah, we get it, we get it. I got it. Like you know, a lot of that, a lot of that in this. I match. just, I just think
1: it's a bad sign that in the first year of their push, they're already putting out feelers. For the american companies i would be very hesitant to get behind these guys in a big way you know the fact that they played the sean raw sap feeler game less than a year into their pushes is a gigantic red flag to me uh, particularly with the american guys not so much with kid and maloney they didn't do that but the american guys plus a couple of them left already right you know, Kevin Knight left, and uh, Carl Fredericks obviously had you know an ugly split with the company. So, it just tells me that Coglin and Connors they are just WWE focused already. So, I wouldn't really get behind them, honestly. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. It was way too long, and it, you know, to me. The big story is Osprey. You know, they're, they're, look, they're pushing Finley hard. They're getting behind him. I don't know if it's going to work. It's not.
0: <laughs> Spoiler: um, It's not going to work. It doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We can't do it. We're they, doing they, the David they, Finley thing again. I can't do the David <laughs> Finley thing again, Joe. I can't. They,
1: they really, really value it. loyalty. You know, whether it's Finley or Tonga, who was there forever. They, they you know chase owens they value loyalty and there's something to be said for that but you're either a star or you're not you know i i i don't mind giving a a, a good full effort with finley but they're gonna have to know when to cut their losses if it's not working and we'll see um Obviously, the Osprey farewell was very emotional. I think he was speaking from the heart. Um, Look, he makes no bones. He says he's confident in his decision. He knows it's the right move for him right now. He had his uh, lady with him at ringside. Mm
0: -hmm. Alex Windsor.
1: She's not. Oh, she's in the business. Oh, yeah. yeah, Alex Alex Windsor. Yeah. Alex Windsor. Oh, that's Alex Windsor. Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. I didn't recognize her. Yeah. So um, I don't recognize anybody outside of their gimmick it's weird. Like that happens a lot when I go to WrestleMania weekends, like I'll be walking around and somebody will be like, Hey, so-and-so just passed us. I'm like, did they? I don't fucking know <laughs> if they're not like, if they're not in their wrestling tights, I have no clue who anybody is. I'm just completely lost. But um, yeah, he just, you know, and, and it was a very emotional in ring speech. And then on the ramp, we heard that whole fucking song for the first time. Elevated, and the fans with the
0: osprey. Ah, yeah, ah, that spray. was I mean, that he, was that was emotional, even for me, man. It just that entire it was, hi, yeah. him basking in that, and the entire Osaka crowd, and, and you know, they don't even speak the language. All just you know, and it's not hard, to you know, say osprey or whatever. But like the idea that they were all just giving him that, and and he turns around, and all five thousand people in that crowd, five thousand plus, are, are are you know, giving him back osprey, ah, osprey, ah, osprey. Ah, ah, I mean that that's that's fucking great. That's really cool
1: yeah and um i thought his post-match comments in the back were really great we talked about the Callum newman stuff um he really cares about putting people over and 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 taking care of um you know the the next in line and all that he always has i mean he's he's got a lot of rick Flair in him in that way where he will just lose every night if you have to you have to tell him oh listen you have to win sometimes um yeah, and and look, the other interesting thing he said in the back, and he said it in front of the crowd too, actually, was look, I'm going to be
0: back. Right.
1: I have it in my contract that I can come back here because I want to come back here.
0: Right. I will see you I all am again. Coming back. I will see you all again. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like I don't know when it will be, but I am coming back. I mean, he flat out said that. So um Yeah, I mean, it was a hell of a run. He came in and what was it, 2016, I guess? And it took a while to really get behind him. But by 2019, it really got rolling. And there was that one year, I think it was 2019, where I thought he was the best wrestler in four different tournaments, New Japan Cup, Best of the Super Juniors, G1, and the Super Junior Tag Tournament. He was the best wrestler. (laughs) In yeah. all four of those tournaments in one year. And I thought he was the best wrestler in the world that year. And I think he's been the best wrestler in the <laughs> he's world. Been better ever year since.
0: since. Yeah. Every, every year since then he's been better, you know, to 2020, me. he was the MVP of 2020 wrestling those, you know, in the fucking warehouses in, in, in ref pro and, and going out there balls to the wall in front of no crowds it, it, during, you know, the, the G one in 2020 or whatever. I mean that, yeah, he, to me was the MVP of 2020 and he just continued that throughout. I think every every year since then,
1: I yeah I think he's been the best wrestler in the world every year since yeah twenty
0: twenty one. You got the no. the matches against Shingo, you got the matches against Abushi, uh, you got the match against Okada. I, uh, yeah, I think did he faced Okada in twenty twenty one. I forget if he faced Okada in twenty twenty one, but yeah, he did that. And then in, in, in 2022, 2023, no doubt about it, he's been the best in the world. And I think easily, I can make a case for twenty twenty one, and I can make a case for twenty twenty, and you just made yeah, a case there for twenty nineteen.
1: <laughs> there's there's one of those pandemic years where people didn't really like his year that much, but um so I could you know see pushback on that one i think twenty twenty maybe but um yeah, and predominantly that's been on the work he's done in new Japan with a sprinkle of rev pro and then lately a little bit of a e w and last year just working everywhere, yeah, last year he was just phenomenal everywhere he went against any opponent, so yeah, it was uh this was his night to do his farewell, which might have been why they put some distance between the Okada match. That's possible, too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much so.
1: Because Okada got his moment in kurkin already. And as far as Okada being booked in those tags in Sapporo, I know people want us to talk about it. I don't have an opinion. I don't find it insulting to him. And I, I just don't have a take. I don't know. He had his moments. He had his moment in Corkin.
0: Yeah, Cor- I think Corkin was the moment that was the big one. And then this, the, the send off with now, I would say why even bother with these, I guess would be the question is like, why even bother? But I think maybe they're going to do, you know, some chaos send offs and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, like, I guess if you can get this guy and you're going to be in Sapporo, you may as well do it, but yeah, I don't well, know. I'm not too, I'm not too hung up on him either. I don't have a hot they're take big
1: shows. That's their big shows. That's why you bother. I mean, he's not working the rank and file shit. He's working new beginning in Osaka. And New Beginning in Sapporo. And, you know, they decided to put him on the big shows and he agreed to do them out of contract. That's why, that's all. They're big shows and they put him on them. I don't see it as like a fuck you putting him in the tags. I don't see it as insulting. I don't see it as them sending a message. He got his send offs. They let him vacate a, a title belt. And they let him have a moment in Corkin And they let him beat Tanahashi and have a moment in Osaka. What are we going to give him a big giant moment in every fucking building? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have a take on this. I don't think they're sending a message. I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's, these are big shows in a big city. And we're going to give that Hokkaido up there north in the fucking mountains a chance to say goodbye to the guy. That's all. That's all I see it as. So, you know, the one match is against United Empire, and the other match is, well, they both are.
0: Yeah. So if the 23rd uh, is Okada teaming with Ishi, <laughs> Godo, Yoshihashi, and Yo uh, versus United Empire, Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, Aaron Hanari, Akira, and Callum Newman. So that's the 23rd. And the 24th is pretty much the same match, except for what you're going to do is you're going to swap in Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, instead of yo so it's gonna be okada ishi goto yoshiashi and tanahashi and on the other side you're gonna swap in matt riddle for Callum newman so you have jeff cobb great okan aaron Hernari, francesco akira and matt riddle is on 24th so very two very right. similar so- matches but tanahashi involved in one riddle involved in one and and another just straight chaos versus united you know, empire on the first night
1: there's a lot of speculation that riddle is going to be united empire and take the osprey spot and we'll see
0: yeah does, it's kinda, easy. Kind of feels it, like that. Kind of feels like that. But we'll see. It's easy
1: for New Japan to slip in those canceled guys, for lack of a better term, because the Japanese fans don't give a shit. It's not their country. They don't know. And, you know, you know, they just, I don't mean they don't give a shit in an uncaring way. It's just, I think they just view it as not their business. So you can slip them in. And there's no questioning Riddle's talent. If you just want to leave the conversation at that. Um, But we'll see if he's full-time. We know Nemeth won't be because Nemeth has signed with Impact. So you figure this is just a couple of shots for him. Maybe the American shows. Maybe he's someone who drifts in and out. But yeah, it looks like Riddle has a chance to be full-time. But we'll see what kind of angle they do. What was weird was Zack Sabre Jr. said, Okada, you're next after the Danielson match but he's not booked with him on either of these shows.
0: Yeah. So I don't and know if he just wouldn't. worked himself. He kind of was trying to work himself there or what, what was going on or trying to say, Hey, I should face this guy next. But yeah, he's not, uh, he's not, he's not doing anything with, the I head. don't think he would say
1: that for no reason.
0: I agree. You know,
1: so I thought maybe one of the Sapporo tags, cause I hadn't looked at them yet. No, nah. we're with um, TMDK, but they're not. So there's something cooking with Saber and Okada. Are we missing something obvious i don't think we.
0: Are. I, it's not that it's not obvious to me i guess i don't know I, I, okada's
1: <laughs> not working he's not working windy city riot
0: he's nope. done with new japan this is done this is it
1: so i don't know it's just interesting that saber said that but um hey got anything else on new japan Could i don't
0: covered at all i i don't yeah that's it's uh that's it for new japan i guess if you want to real quick uh the 23rd uh, we'll have time to cover this uh, When's it fall. Oh, we have time to cover it next week. So, you know what? We'll cover it next week. But uh, talk about the matches that are going to be booked for those those nights. But we can do that next uh, week.
1: The chat, the, the chat is saying that Charlton said he said Okada and misheard him. I thought I heard him say Okada. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. Hmm. I, yeah, I thought he did too. But... I don't know if I'm Mandela affecting myself here. But he definitely said Naito because people think he could win the title which I don't think is impossible either.
0: No, I, I think that that's kind of the bold move I would do. <clears throat> that's one of the ones that I would do right now is something like that, where where I think you need to get a little bit bold. You need to get a little crazy. You need to well, push. You know, Naito, Naito gives you stability.
1: There's no doubt about it, but it is kind of boring. Yeah. With him as champion. It is kind of boring, but it's stable, and he's a big star, and it's safe. So, um, I don't know. I'm going to pull it up real quick and see if I could hear it.
0: He <laughs> see, see if your mind is, is playing tricks on you. Well, if you want, do you want me to go over the cards while you figure that out?
1: Yeah. 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 Do what let's, you were going to do. Let's do, do, that. Let,
0: let, let's do that. So, okay. Uh, February 23rd business end of this card uh, in support. And again, we could talk about this next week too, but uh business end is a uh, IWGP global heavyweight title match. David Finley versus Nick Nemeth. David Finlay versus Nick Nemeth. You also have a New Japan World TV title match. Hiroshi Tanahashi defending against Matt Riddle. Never Openweight title match. Evil versus Shota Umino. Uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. You have El Desperado versus Show. Uh, you also have an IWGP Women's uh, title match in there. Mayu Iwatani uh, versus Mina Shirakawa, uh, and then a bunch of undercard tags. But uh, one of the undercard singles matches that looks pretty cool. Yuji Nagata versus Zack Saber Jr. I'm in for that one. Uh, that sounds pretty good to me. Uh, and then on the next night, the 20, uh, 24th, uh business end here is Naito versus Sonata uh, for the World Heavyweight title. Hair versus Hair. Yotasuji versus Yui Amura, Taichi versus Shingo. Harumu Takahashi versus Duki. Takamichi Noku versus Bushi are your uh, quote-unquote business end of that card uh, as well. Joe, do you need, you need more time, don't you? That wasn't enough. Okay. Right? What do you got?
1: Um, he says, Naito Sonata, you're next. And then Charlton says, You hear what he said? Kazuchiko Okada, I'm coming for you. So, oh. like, yeah, he didn't say Okada. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. I just went and listened to it. So, um, <clears throat> I Mandela affected myself because of Charlton. It's all Charlton's fault. It really, it, always, it almost
0: always is. Yeah. It's, it, it always is. is. That Come guy, on, you know, it's just, you know, he just, it's always. I'm going to send I'm him a very... I'm blaming him, actually, for the Okada thing. You know what I mean? It's 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 Charlton's fault that Okada didn't put over all the young guys.
1: Listen, Charlton, you're getting a sternly worded DM as soon as this <laughs> show is over. Right. Because I've had enough of your shit. Listen, that guy is so good now. Now that we brought him up. Oh, he's great. I mean, because the kid he's working with obviously has potential. But I think Chris knows he kind of has to carry it right now. In a lot of ways. And he really came into his own working with Kevin Kelly all those years, where he was like very solidly a third chair, an information guy. We've seen him grow. And when it comes to getting stories over, he is top tier. I don't know if there's anyone better because he knows the promotion inside and out. He knows what the promotion's trying to do, he understands what he's watching.
0: He knows how to weave these big stories, too, and, 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 and say them in a way yeah. that makes them feel like they have some huge gravitas and there's some big story. You know and I mean, he does a really good job of, of you know, some people don't he like knows. those monologues. I, I love him. I love him.
1: No, he knows his history. He clearly does his homework before the shows. He's a top tier pro and he deserves credit for really improving and evolving in his role over the years. And that's important because he's working with a kid who was like fucking eight years old when Okada beat Tanahashi. Yeah,
0: he, he's still stupid young. Don't look at it.
1: I'm not. I'm not disrespecting him. He's doing a good job.
0: He he is. But yeah, like you said, there, there's a sense of of history and 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 knowing you know and and, and Charlton has that, and Walker. For all that he's all that he does well, which I think he, he's he's getting there, and and he's got a good voice, and he he does all the professional announcer things that you want, but he just doesn't have that sort of sense of history because he's fucking twenty one years old. So it's like, and he knows.
1: Listen, and and he has a future if he sticks with this. There's no doubt about it. He's a good professional play by play man. You know, uh, Danielson did the I have till five routine, and. Again, he's a young guy. He didn't recognize it. He goes, well, Danielson sure knows the rules. You know, he didn't know that that's like Danielson's right. shtick.
0: Because he was he was, like he was two <laughs> in 2006 or whatever. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> When I was at Ring of Honor shows slapping barricades, screaming I have till five with all my other fucking barricades slapping dorks, he was in diapers. So it's like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. So... Charlton, I think, has a good feel for that, and he's going to guide him along the way Kevin Kelly guided him along.
0: But there you go. That is uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, man. How about that? Two hours, two-plus hours on New Japan Pro Wrestling to get you started here on uh, the flagship this week. Uh, Let's get to some other things going on in the world of wrestling real quickly. AEW Revolution uh, coming up in a couple of weekends. We'll obviously have an instant reaction over at flagshippatreon.com. we always do instant reaction for big uh, AEW and WWE shows uh, AEW revolution of course being a gigantic one so make sure you are subscribed and ready for that coming up uh, in just a couple of weeks now it'll be on our ten dollar tier over at flagshippatreon.com. one of our the, the shows that are always like completely i mean the the chat room is just filled with people everyone's talking about the pay-per-views it's a lot of fun to be on there uh, and react to those shows live immediately after they happen but we're going to do that of course uh, afraid of revolution coming up in a couple weeks, but the card is looking really good right now. We're starting to get uh, starting to flesh it out a little bit. Obviously we know about the, the, the world title three-way Samoa, Joe hangman, Adam page and Swerve Strickland uh, also added uh, officially now official, official uh, Darby Allen and sting versus the young bucks. We kind of figured that was going to happen, but I think they made it very, very official here uh, this week. Orange Cassie versus Roderick strong for the international title. Uh, women's title, Tony storm versus Deanna Perazzo. Uh, Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson for the Continental New Japan Strong ROH world title, the the, the, the crown, uh, and then booked on this last week's Dynamite as well, T- uh, Konosuke Takeshida versus Will Ospreay. So, uh, yeah, that looks like a hell of a card on paper uh, so far. What, what do you make of Revolution from what we know right now, which looks like we're not going to add that many more matches. I feel like we're pretty well there, maybe a couple here and there, but we're, we're pretty well there
1: four to six matches because they only have six matches right now they usually do about 10 to 12 right so you're gonna add something with copeland and christian whether it's another singles match or some kind of tag involving daniel garcia they're gonna add something with moxley and claudio with nftr for sure and they'll probably add something with um another women's match with willow and stat and sky blue and and um julia hart now whether that will be pre-show or pay-per-view they've been doing that story for months so something is gonna there's gonna be either a tag or a julia hart i
0: think she's been i think they i forgot who reported but i think she's been dealing with some sort of injury so maybe maybe she might not be on revolution this 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 time. right but
1: i think that group of people there's gonna be something yeah oh i see what you're saying yeah 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 i don't know what it's gonna be but so, there's some stuff that they can add for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm dying, man. You yeah, are not card, doing well. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll carry the those, so, I'll carry our three. I got gotcha. you.
1: The card so far looks great. I did say on the uh, dynamite review behind the paywall that we talk about the rating briefly because I did it before the rating. Very surprising. They did a 0.3 on Valentine's Day, which, you know, the total viewership was up a tad. Against last week, but uh doing a 0.3 to me was pretty surprising. I I you know last week was a 0.28. and I thought it was a little disappointing, but that was deceptive because they didn't get the same lead in that they normally get from Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory did somewhere like eight hundred and uh fifty eight thousand, somewhere in the eight hundreds. Yeah, it was like a weird, were-
0: weirdly low Big Bang Theory number for some strange.
1: Yeah, because they normally do well over a million. And so the first quarter hour last week was in the 800s as opposed to over a million. The show followed its usual ratings pattern throughout the night, but it started off lower than usual. And when you look at where they lost a lot of viewers last week, I'm talking, it was in the older half of the female 18 to 49, the 35 to 49. Well, that's who watches Big Bang Theory. So it correlates. And then as it turns out, you know, the Big Bang Theory did do a much lower number. So, you know, that would have helped both the total viewership and the demo number last week if they would have started at their usual level. So um, now it was a big premiere week on some of the networks for some stuff. So that could have affected... You know, people watching other things as opposed to Big Bang Theory or whatever. But, you know, I thought that explained last week with the slightly disappointing number that they did. This week, I wasn't expecting them to be up versus last week with the lineup that they had. But this could be one of those situations where the show was so good last week that people wanted to watch this week. And that happens sometimes where the week before affects the next week of course I, I would think it happens
0: more times than than people <laughs> probably would like to think I, I think it makes a lot of sense that that would happen and and, and i think that people get hung up on one week ratings and i think it, you need to you know oh uh this show did bad because they booked this match and that's why it's like sometimes it's like what happens the week prior plays into what happens the week next like i think people get so hung up on who's booked on one show and then kind of determine ratings Oh, see, uh, Orange Cassidy was in this match and it didn't do well. And it's like, well, I think we need to look at this thing in a little bit more of a bigger picture as opposed to going week by week, f- you know, frame by frame, segment by segment, and deciding, the, you know, but it's all about fitting narratives and all that sort of stuff. So,
1: yeah. So this week, quarter hour one was 944,000, which is a lot closer to the million plus that they usually start off with. So, um, for whatever reason, just the week prior, Big Bang Theory did you know, a hundred and fifty thousand less viewers or 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 whatever it was, which is just not even 150,000, like a hundred and fifty thousand like uh like closer to two hundred thousand less total mm-hmm. viewers than they usually no because they they usually well over a million like one point two million so you know three to four hundred thousand less people watched Big Bang Theory last week which you know is gonna affect your lead in and um you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, that's those people shouldn't count. Well, lead-ins, that's been a television strategy for decades. You <laughs> right. want to snack okay. shows and that's just how it works. If those people leave the next show on for 15 minutes, well, they're fucking watching. They count. They're watching and they see the ads. That's all that matters. Right. Then maybe they're where not they engaged
0: paper, future pay-per-view <laughs> buyers or whatever, but they're they're watching ads and they count. Right.
1: <laughs> so they might watch for three minutes. They might watch for seven minutes. They might watch for the full 15 minutes. They might stay for an hour, but those viewers count, and i 'm sure that they 've converted maybe it 's not a statistically significant number, but there 's they 've undoubtedly converted some of those people into semi uh regular viewers it 's impossible that they haven
0: 't i mean we all we all i mean i don 't know about you, but i I always you know talk about when I started watching wrestling was like. For some reason, I really wanted to watch Pacific Blue back in the day. Remember Pacific Blue, the bike cop show course, with like yeah. Mario Lopez or whatever? But they used to be on like Saturday mornings. And then, like right after that, was Don't Have Superstars or Livewire or whatever the fuck. And I just started watching that. One time I kept it on. And I went, that's eh, kind of fun. And now here I am. Still, all these fucking many years later, I watched some Doink the Clown match and was like, eh, all right. And then decided I'm going to watch this thing for the rest of my life. And here we are. So it was it was my love of Mario Lopez's bike cop show that got me in. But, yeah, there's, there's I mean, there, a lot of people have examples of that. It's not it, it, you don't chase that audience all that much. But if you get them, I mean, you want that lead in no matter what you want that because it's valuable for, for a TV property and for TV ratings and oh. for ad buys or whatever. But, yeah, if you move some of those people into converting them into actual fans, then that's even better. You'll take that for sure.
1: Yeah, having a strong lead-in is incredibly valuable and it's something you want to
0: have. And you don't want to have a weak lead-in. No. Either. That's that's TV 101. Every, every TV network and every TV executive ever thinks about what comes in and what comes out of every single show that they have. Because that's yeah. that's what the game is. <laughs> and you gotta know, you gotta be good at it uh to get where you are. But um also in the front uh in in on the AEW front here, uh March 29th, ninth, they're gonna be going to CMLL, the Blackpool Combat Club. It is gonna be Best two out of three falls, eight-man tag, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castanelli, John Moxley, and Wheeler Yuta versus Blue Panther, Mistico, Ultimo Guerrero, and Volador Jr. That is going to fucking rock. And by the way, they are selling tickets like crazy to that show right now, too. So I don't know if it's because of that match in particular, but it is selling very, very well. Uh, That is not until March 29th, so we'll have time to obviously lead up to that and talk about it or whatever. But that looks like a, a hell of a card, and that is a hell of a match right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, Arena Mexico is still on fire, so I'm sure it doesn't hurt to have that match. But, uh, yeah, and I'm sure that's going to set up Danielson versus Blue Panther. You know, Rampage and Collision did really great numbers last week too. You know, some of their best numbers in months. You know, the Collision show has been great every week, and it's starting to pay off. It's Mm -hmm. really a shame that there's no Collision this week because it's going to derail their momentum a little bit
0: yeah for people that do not know no collision this week uh a uh nba all-star saturday dunk contest three-point contest or whatever's going on so instead of trying to say ah we're gonna come on the air at 11 p.m or actually we're gonna be at 4 p.m they just decided ah you know what fuck it or, or they did the weird thing with the fridays or whatever they just decided fuck it we're, we're taking this week off so um yeah they're not uh no collision this week and you're right it probably is going to hurt the momentum a little bit because you 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 get off of a a routine even for one week it's hard to get back on the routine and that 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 is again tv 101 like we're saying you don't want people to to stop watching for even one week because it tends to you know it tends to snowball uh into a couple weeks so yeah you want to avoid that at all costs if you can but uh this case they they were kind of damned if they do with the uh with the scheduling so
1: it just seems like getting back to basics and being a wrestling show for wrestling fans is starting to pay off slowly but surely and being reflected in the ratings. Yeah. You know, next up is ticket sales. They've got to do something about... Because, again, last night they only had 3,500, I think.
0: Yeah. The tickets are moving it's very terrible
1: slow. It's terrible. You know, maybe Greensboro. You know, because they keep adding seats. You know, they could sell as many as they could fit for Revolution. And maybe that'll kickstart things if the show is really good. And get ticket sales moving again. Because ratings at least here in this short micro view, are heading back in a positive direction the last few weeks across all of their shows. And, you know, Mystico was on Rampage. Is that a coincidence or not? I don't know. Because, remember they added him to that show last year and he helped sell all those late tickets. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm.
1: I mean, you know, it's stars are stars. And I'm not saying he's making a Cody-like difference or a a Rock-like difference. But, well, when, the context, when you're only selling
0: 3,000 tickets, I mean, moving 500 to right. 1,000 is a big deal.
1: <laughs> Correct. Moving, moving 200 is a big deal. When you work Rampage in the opening match, which is reality, the main event, for that show, and they do their best numbers in months, I mean, come on. I mean, there's, there's probably something there when the guy already has a track record of parachuting in and making a difference. So... Man, my voice is really cracking like a it's, teenager.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's puberty lands over here. But uh, yeah, so that, that's that's a quick look at uh, AEW here. Trying to move this show along quickly so we can get Joe uh, out of here and in uh, in bed or or with more lozenges. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes, uh, ugh, not good story here. Uh, former wrestler Billy Jack Haynes named a suspect following the death of his wife. Uh, reportedly police responded to his house after they were alerted to gunfire inside the house. Then there was a two hour standoff to get him out of the house. And then when they got in the house, they discovered that his wife had died of a gunshot wound. So probably doesn't take a whole lot to figure out what is going on here. Uh, he is currently in the hospital due to an unrelated condition to, uh, the, the, the standoff. Uh, but, uh, once he is discharge, uh, discharged, discharged, uh, he will be booked. And uh, Portland police had this quote to say, quote, he is in police custody at a local hospital. Sorry, a local medical facility. They didn't say local medical facility. This is a local hospital. Uh, While he's being treated for a medical condition unrelated to the homicide or his contact with law enforcement. Once he is released from the hospital, which may be days from now, he is expected to be booked into jail. Haynes charges will be released once he is booked. Um, But, yeah, he, um, I mean... Doesn't take uh, David Caruso to figure out what uh, what happened here, but uh, yeah, that's uh, not a good story there for uh, Billy Jack Haynes, and uh, yeah, kind of a a he's rough story some, there. Um, but he's had a lot of issues.
1: He's had a lot of mental issues, and he's kind of gone off the deep end in a lot of ways. And it's obviously sad that he murdered this woman. Um, I suspect there's some mental health issues at play. Um. He had a real weird career. You know, he was a big star in Portland almost right from the start. I mean, just look at him in those days. He, he arguably had the best physique, the best body in wrestling when that was really starting to matter mm-hmm. in pro wrestling. He, he had a, a superstar million-dollar look.
0: Oh, I mean, even even at WrestleMania, you know, what was (laughs) WrestleMania three. He's got like one of the best bodies on the entire show. And that's in that company at that time when everybody had he's in the ring with fucking Hercules, who had an incredible body as well. And even with that, Billy Jack Haynes, you're like, holy crap, that guy is just like he looks like the star. He looks like the biggest fucking star in the world, given the physique, how important that was. Like you said,
1: Vince McMahon's wet dream and. It's funny, that's probably his most famous match because of where it took place. Right. WrestleMania 3. But what a lot of people don't know and might not remember is Vince tried to hire him in 1984. And, you know, they, they, they did vignettes on TV. They put him in the magazines. But he never showed up. He would have been there in 84. You know, because he didn't, come for the run that you're talking about until 86. But he was a very flaky guy. Like he was a big star in Portland always, but he had his run-ins with with Don Owen. Plenty of run-ins and disputes with him. He ran opposition against Don Owens a number of times later on, like in the late 80s and early 90s. He tried to run opposition on Owen whenever he would have a dispute. He was popular enough where he could go start his own promotion and they would never work out but um he worked basically every territory because everyone took one look at him and were like we got to bring this guy in right
0: right florida i know he worked florida a lot world class he was in you know uh, world class
1: is funny because for one of those runs they brought him in and chris adams quit immediately because chris adams was afraid for his life because he thought Billy Jack Haynes was going to like kill him because, which is ironic with where what's happened. Yeah. Billy Jack was always a crazy guy. And like when Chris Adams was Chris Adams was with um, uh, Jeannie Clark, who went on to become what the hell was her gimmick name later on?
0: Lady Blossom, and right? She was
1: yeah. Lady Blossom. And she left Chris Adams for Billy Jack Haynes. And there was a lot of heat between Adams and Haynes. So Adams got the hell out of town. But then Billy Jack's run didn't work out. And then Adams came back after Billy Jack left. Because he would always come to these territories and flame out very quickly. They tried him in Mid-Atlantic, but he didn't get over. They tried him in Florida, and he didn't really get over. Georgia, everywhere. I mean, name a territory. And he could never get over the way he did in Portland. And as soon as he got the sense that he wasn't getting over, he would just go back to Portland where he knew he'd be a main eventer. And again, he could have been with WWF from the start of the national run, but he never showed up. I mean, they were pushing him on TV and he just didn't come to work. But, But Vince eventually did bring him in in 86. He finally did get him. And again, he looked the part. He looked the part of every 80s like male stud. Yeah, with the facial hair and the great body.
0: A little bit of chest the, hair too. A little bit of yeah. chest hair, yeah.
1: <clears throat> and the big head of hair. You know, it, it, it he was like the ideal 80s man. You know, and and he just wasn't a great worker. And he just couldn't really get over anywhere outside of Portland. And, you know, he stuck around WWF for a while. You know, he had the Hercules feud. You know, then he had the tag team with Ken Patera and they feuded with Demolition and that went nowhere. They did the deal where Brady Boone was allegedly his uh, cousin or nephew, one or the other. And patterned his look after Billy Jack. But that went nowhere. Um, and then it was just back to Portland in the dying days. And he did end up in WCW in the early 90s as Black Blood. <laughs> right.
0: The often I, forgotten Black Blood. Not not run these parts, unfortunately. We, we, we're we well aware. But uh, many other places forgotten.
1: No, I wrote about that a few weeks ago in Match in a Week. And that was another short run because, again, eventually he had a dispute with the promoter. You know, he had some money dispute and he injured his knee and they wouldn't pay for his surgery. It was a whole thing. And he walked out. And he never got the surgery. And he went back to Portland and he fucked up his knee even worse. And that was the end of his career. That was it. He may have tried to come back years later, but that was effectively the end of his career. He had gained weight. He was a big, thick guy. He he wasn't like, didn't have the lean muscle anymore. He, he gained weight. He was like 280 pounds. And his knees couldn't handle it. And that was really it for him. And then post-career, he just... He would do a lot of shoot interviews and things like that. And it was very clear he wasn't all there. You know, he had a lot of wild stories. He has claimed that he has murdered people before.
0: Yeah, I think even before he wrestled, he 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 said that he uh caught a manslaughter charge or something like that. Or or, you know. He he he
1: one of the stories he used to tell on the shoot interviews is that he murdered somebody while he was working for WWE. Hmm. I mean, and no one took him seriously. He was just like. A guy who everyone knew was crazy and they would just, I don't I don't know, is taking advantage the right word? They would put him on these shoot interviews because they knew he would say wild things. Right. Not taking advantage. So yeah. No,
0: yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, that's what they're doing.
1: So nobody took it seriously, but he would have all these wild stories. And it's just a little ominous now that the Chris Adams story and then the fact that he would frequently talk about how he had killed people before but no one took him seriously and now this horrible story where i guess how old is he now he's got to be in his late he 60s is,
0: or 70s no he's 70 he's 70
1: and he killed his wife i mean
0: his wife is 85 too which um
1: i, I mean think, my god
0: and she was related to somebody in the business let me see if i can figure out she has some wrestling connection but i don't remember how like, give me give me one second I can I I, I read it somewhere I just got to remember where I read it. Man, I forget she's got she's got some connection to wrestling and I, I don't remember who it is. It's either yeah. her brother was in wrestling or something like that. It's it's not a name. It's not like an obvious name though. I don't know if um right
1: right right not someone people would know.
0: No, yeah, I don't think so.
1: But um
0: oh Todd Rule. Yeah, just... Todd Rule. Do you remember that um. Uh, Haynes was close friends with uh, Jeanette's son, Todd B. Craft, and that uh, he wrestled in Oregon as Todd Rule. So I don't know if you if you remember that name, but
1: it's not ringing a bell. Yeah, it's not ringing a bell. But um, yeah, just a guy who, if things would have happened differently, he he could have been one of the biggest stars in the world with his look. Just didn't have the he couldn't work and he didn't really have the necessary charisma but he certainly had the look and he just it was short-tempered and, and never really lasted anywhere aside from portland where he also had a lot of problems but yeah just a terrible terrible story and and you know, you feel horrible for the woman and you know it's obvious i mean they they weren't they weren't naming the victim or the alleged person but he has been named at this point right like it's official yeah
0: they're they're in they're in no uncertain terms they're they're saying it's he's the prime he's the suspect he's the the suspect yeah there there was a there was a gunshot he wouldn't come out after two hours they finally got him out and she died of a gunshot wound it's like it's you know what i mean it's not hard to figure out what's probably going on here yeah yeah so yeah awful Awful story. So uh, let's go. Uh, we'll go back to back with the awful stories here. So not not a whole lot new in the Vince McMahon B lawsuit. It does look like, though, Friday. We're recording this on the 15th. This is going live on the 15th. Uh, Friday, which will be the 16th, uh, could be a big day in this case. As uh, Brandon Thurston writes, uh, quote, expect an answer or extension to answer uh, by uh, this coming Friday, the defendant in the grant versus wb mcmahon laurenitis lawsuit which is the 21 day deadline since their summons were issued so essentially we're going to have to know where all these people stand or they're all going to have to get an extension or whatever after so this doesn't mean this case is going to be done by then but but wb and mcmahon have to say something now laurenitis has said his his piece how he's going to attack it how his lawyers are going to attack it is that i was also a victim uh, of McMahon's manipulation, so so Laurinaitis is ready to kind of throw McMahon and WWE under the bus. What is WWE going to say about this? What is McMahon going to say about it? That's kind of what we're still waiting to see uh, here, and hopefully we'll have some a little bit more clarity on Friday. Or we're going to get an extension, uh, and they'll have a little bit more time to get their cases together or or figure out what they're going to say uh, in regards to this. Because that those both those sides have been completely silent about the entire thing thus far. Well, I guess McMahon had the original statement. That said that these you know were were blasphemous or whatever and lies and you know we'll defend it or whatever but that that's all he said. WWE I don't they haven't officially said anything right, the company I I don't think they have. No, I don't think they've they've put anything uh, out there. So yeah, I guess it would be the first time we're hearing from them potentially. On Friday, as far as new information about the lawsuit, not a whole lot coming up right now. Uh, Tim Archman continues to do pretty good work on vice uh, digging through the Ashley Massaro lawsuit and and all the details of that uh, about essentially that, you know, she had told people at WWE that, you know, she was raped on the, on the, uh, tribute to the troops tour that they did in Kuwait and, and her essentially saying that everybody knew about it and nobody did anything about it. Laura Knight is following that up and saying, yeah, we all knew about it. Nobody did anything about it. So that was kind of, uh, uh, you know, helping her story there a little bit. Obviously, Asher Massaro has, has, has since passed. So it's not her. It's kind of, you know, people digging through her lawsuit, her her former lawyer, uh, her friends that have been out there saying stuff. So there was that. Uh, Massaro also did say that, you know, Vince McMahon pried on the divas at the time and and essentially, you know treated his office like a casting couch type of thing, and and, uh, that was another thing that that she said. And there was also, uh, just before we got on the air here today, one of her friends was on News Nation. I I don't know the friend's name. Sorry, I don't have it in front of me. I don't want to do a ton of clicking around, but uh, she came on and said that Stephanie McMahon was aware of what had happened to Ashley Massaro and showed almost no sympathy and didn't really care and essentially was one of many people that told Ashley to just kind of keep this on the down low. Cause this will affect, you know, our relationship with the troops and with the U S military or whatever. So yeah, that's, that's what we have so far. So not a whole lot of other bombshells coming out outside of the Ashley Massaro thing, but, um, you know, tomorrow will be a pretty big day in this case. Hopefully one way or another, we'll, we'll, we'll know what people are saying and, and how they're going to attack this uh, defense here. So that's that. Uh, anything else for you to add to the, uh, Fitzgame lawsuit.
1: Um no. Yeah, I think you cover I mean, we're gonna know a lot more after tomorrow when some of these defendants have to respond. So
0: uh Kara Papia, I believe is her name. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name right. That that is her name thanks to the chat room for letting me know uh what the name was. But yeah, she was on News Nation talking a little bit about uh that. So if you wanna read about that i'm sure you can find that uh all right one more topic and then we're gonna get joe out of here so we can rest that voice uh tna wrestlers sent a letter to anthem about scott demore's removal it's a pretty long letter so i will read it so joe you can uh, rest up for here in a minute so uh, it says quote here uh, it's anyway this is tna wrestlers coming together to uh write to anthem to uh just dis- uh, talk about their displeasure regarding Scott Demore's removal as president. Quote, Len and Scott, TNA slash impact is not just our employer and the company for which we work, it is a family, a family that each of us has grown to love and cherish and trust with our bodies and our careers, a family for which we feel deeply and that desire above all else. To protect, we are deeply saddened by the decision to remove Scott DeMore from the TNA Impact family. Scott is a brilliant wrestling mind that has guided this company and has positioned it to take the next step upward in our industry. Scott is also much more in this. He is a trusted friend, confidant, teacher, advisor, brother, and mentor to so many within the TNA Impact family. Scott has been the heart of the TNA Impact family for over two. Decades. Len and Anthem have been instrumental in supporting and building this company back from the ground up. The contributions of Len and Anthem have never gone unnoticed by anybody in the company, and we want to make sure that Len knows this. TNA simply put would not have survived without Len and Anthem. Not just financially, but with the undying faith in Scott and us to revive the company that was on the brink of death. Lennon Anthem have been the foundation that TNA has been built upon. We would not have made it back to this point without both of you. The fans know this, and the TNA family knows this. We come to you to voice our concern that TNA impact our family and its future and direction. We, like you, wish to safeguard what we have all worked and sweat and bled to build. We want TNA Impact to continue to grow and to continue to be an enviable place for all professional wrestlers to work. We understand and appreciate that professional wrestling, at its core, is a business, and that the company must provide uh, must provide a fiscally responsible, financially viable product. At the same time, professional wrestling. Is uniquely situated The business of professional wrestling Is so much more than balance sheets Downloads and ratings The wrestling business is And must be its people Its characters And its storylines That is to say There is no wrestling business Without the wrestling creative vision And the right people Bringing this creative vision To life So now there's three more paragraphs That I'm not really going to read here But essentially I'll read the last paragraph we remain steadfast and hopeful that this letter can be the first step to opening and keeping open productive lines of communication to ensure that TNA Impact family continues to be a wonderful, unique place to work for years to come. We ask and implore you both to come together and create a resolution that will reunite this family once again. We look forward to hearing from you and continuing this dialogue. Signed, your TNA family. So uh, there you go. TNA roster, obviously not happy with Scott DeMoor's, uh removal. Um, from the company and penning that letter to their bosses at Anthem. What did you make of that when you read it?
1: Yeah, we we kind of talked about that last week, that he's very, very popular with the roster. You know, it's a nice letter, and it's, it's, you know, very heartfelt, and it's nice that they're doing that for him, but the one line that bugs me is... <clears throat> The business of professional wrestling is so much more. (laughs) Do you want me to read it for you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Read that line. Read that line. I'll read that line for you. Uh, Let me make sure I get uh, the exact one here. All right. Sorry. Uh, Professional wrestling is uniquely situated. The the business of professional wrestling is so much more than balance sheets, downloads, and ratings. The business is and must be its people, its characters, and its storylines. Yeah.
1: Listen. Listen. It's not. It's really not. It is about balance sheets, downloads, and ratings. You know, that might sound cold,
0: but it's business,
1: you know, TNA is not a soup kitchen. This is not a charity. And they're not making money. And if they feel like Scott Demore is not the right person to help them make money. That's why the move is made. And they're not making money. They can't get a TV deal. So that line is preposterous. That's exactly what the wrestling business right. Is. It sounds good, business.
0: and it sounds nice and rosy, and it's like, yeah, it'd be great if that was the case. It's clearly not the case. You know what I mean? It's like, no, that that that. At the end of the day, Anthem is running a business here, and this is what this whole departure is about, and and, and what's going to happen. This is only the beginning of, of what's going to happen with this company. I mean, we we talked about it a little bit last week. You know, we're still kind of reacting to the news because it was still kind of new at that time, but that's what this is i mean you'll get the guy that they put in this post this is the guy that's the head of access or whatever it's just a he's just a dude he's just a guy that's gonna look at a spreadsheet this guy doesn't care about wrestling you know what i mean this guy doesn't really care about you know the, the it's people it's what, what what was it uh it's people it's characters it's storylines i'm sorry he cares about the balance sheet downloads and ratings and Well anthem has to care
1: about that stuff and they're probably tired of looking at this line item and wondering why it's losing all of this money right. every year. Mm-hmm. So they may have determined that Scott DeMore is not the guy to make them money. I, my feeling is at the end of the day, like has happened many other times before in the history of this company, it's going to get stripped down to the bones. And DeMore is just the start. It's going to, it's going to, It's going to cycle down to talent and everything else because they can't keep spending money without bringing money in. It's a business. It's not a fucking soup kitchen. It is about balance sheets, downloads, and ratings. That's all it's about. That's, you know, it sounds cold, but that's just the reality of it. So that line is just preposterous. I know it. it, they mean well. I get it. But unfortunately, I think some of the talent is probably going to be next. Yeah. If they can't get a TV deal, then where where are they making their money?
0: Yeah. They they're don't do hardly
1: any pay-per-view buys. They don't draw any. They don't sell any tickets. They're going to have to strip the roster down to bare bones. And they're, they're bringing this guy in. He's a bean counter. He's there to cut losses. They gave the wrestling guy a chance and they're still losing money. Income to suits. Right. And what are the suits gonna do? Minimize losses the best they can. You know?
0: Or just do away with uh, the whole thing too, which is it's yeah. just as easy you to know. do if you're if you're Anthony, whatever the heck a, his name is more. from the head of access. That he can just easily. Tony. Yeah. He could just throw fucking no. Sammy Hagar's rock and roll road trip in in the spot, of uh, the time slot, and not spend any money. He could, it, it, tomorrow, if he wanted to go to his boss and say, "I just saved us X million dollars," he could. You, you know what I mean? Like that, and that's as as cold yeah. as that is, and how how shitty that is for everybody that's involved in TNA. I mean that that's that's the reality that they all need to wake up for anymore. The guy that was gonna fight for them is gone. The guy that that, that was going to fight for TNA, the guy that supposedly so badly didn't want to let this company go the way it's maybe going to go, that he tried to buy it, that guy's gone. And I think all these – and that's why this letter came out because they know that this is not – this can't be good. There's just no – there's no situation where this guy comes in and he's like, all right, guys, all hands in, let's do this thing. And that – I mean, this guy is here to, to, like you said, strip this thing down to the bones or or just straight up get I rid think of it too. That's
1: the end result. I think that's the end result. Uh lean it out and lose as little money as possible. You know. Does anyone can see it's not making any money. On what? Their meager pay-per-view buys or they yeah. don't even do 10,000
0: buys? No, it's it's not that.
1: Most, most of which are done on fight fu- and glosses. all of them are
0: done on fight or whatever. You know what I mean? The, the impact plus very few people are on. So most of them are yeah. done on fight, which you got to, they eat half that, you know, I, I don't know if it's half. I don't know. I, I don't know if every individual company can kind of agree to their own thing or whatever, but even on all the quote unquote pay-per-view buys that you're making or whatever, a chunk of that is getting taken away immediately to go back to the, the service that is airing the pay-per-views, which in this case is fight or triller or whatever. So whatever amount that is, cut that in half. Or 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 slightly less or whatever the, the deal might be. It's 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 nothing. And it makes good programming for their network. It does well. It draws ratings or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you're a, a television network, especially in twenty twenty four, now nah, we'll just air a rerun of whatever the fuck. We have all these dumb properties. We'll just air a rerun. Who cares? You know. First-run content. I mean, have you do on cable TV now. The the amount of first-run content that a lot of these channels have is so fucking small at this point. It's wild to think about where cable was ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and where it is now. I mean, Comedy Central. What does Comedy Central do that's original now? I think it's got South Park and Daily Show. I think is it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something else I'm missing. But like, yeah, the the idea that you know, I, I understand the idea. A couple years ago and, and even uh, you know was, hey, well, we're getting this property that that's drawing you know the best ratings that we have on you know for for X. but if if the money isn't there and and you're looking at it and going, well shit, we could save this amount of money by just playing a replay of some fucking concert, <laughs> you know some bullshit concert that we have the rights to, why not just do that and save the money and that, and that that does feel i mean access doesn't, it doesn't... look,
1: it doesn't matter who's in charge. The bottom line is if they can't get a TV deal, they're dead. Right. That's it. That's all there is to it. Bottom line.
0: And I, I, yeah, you wonder how much they're even trying to get a TV deal for this company. I know they want it, but how badly are they even.
1: Nobody, no one's. I mean, Tony Khan can't get a TV deal for ROH, and right. he's a proven winner. All
0: right nwa yeah
1: he pre has proved he could get ratings and he can't get a deal we got it i can't do
0: this you're done yeah we're we're done you're done we got to go here but uh yeah that that um one thing I will say about this is that if Scott DeMore truly did want to buy this company, if that was a real thing, uh, if I'm access, I, I might call him back and say, actually, hold on a minute. <laughs> How much were you going to spend? How much are you going to give it? I would immediately, immediately sell it to to Scott DeMore and say, all right, it's your problem now, pal. Fine. We'll take our X million dollars and, 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 and play Sammy Hagar's rock and roll or our 30-minute blocks of old movie trailers instead, uh, but uh, not uh, – I don't know not good for uh, for for TNA so uh, I would uh, keep an eye on that story for the next uh, couple of weeks and months. I do not think that's going uh, what direction it's going to go. All right, we are getting out of here. Joe, you have no voice anymore. You stuck around for two hours and 48 minutes, an admirable effort, but we're tapping out. We got to go. So anyway, that is Joe. I am Rich. We will talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast, voice Podcast network, Flagshippatreon.com. Make sure you subscribe to that. Also, voiceswrestling.com slash Discord. Make sure you join that to join the conversation as well. All right. Anyway, that's Joe. I'm Rich. Talk to you guys next time. Take care. go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the
1: Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.